connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Do you remember where you were when we elected a Sasquatch president? How about when you learned Ben Franklin was a robot? Or first heard Stalin's mixtape? I'm Zach Powers. I'm Brian Flynn, and we host The Revisionists. Each episode, one person explains real history and another tells an alternate version. And the winner becomes the truth. We let comics from Denver and around the country run wild through history. It's an in-depth look at history, but with more Babadooks. Check out The Revisionists, available every other Saturday. Wherever you get podcasts and at revisionistpodcast.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Giles. I'm Emily. And I'm Michelle. And we're the Beyond the Trope podcast. Every week, we delve into topics like pop culture, fiction writing, and other nerdy things. We feature laid-back conversations, bad puns, and in-depth interviews with authors, comic creators, and more. Find our show at beyondthetrope.com. This is Marguerite Bennett, a writer of DC's Bombshells for Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2018 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me is what? What am I supposed to do? I know what the where the fuck have you been, <laughs> James and Zach and Brad. And every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. Except this week, um, because. Because after weeks of not great, this week there's really nothing. There's absolutely nothing. It's so amazing. I just read an article on Hollywood Reporter where it's the worst Labor Day in 17 years. Oh, wow. And all I have to say is uh, me and Brad talked about this last week or sometime when I was talking to you. And it, why don't they just take a movie that, you know, they're like, hmm, Valerian is probably not going to make a lot of money in July. Why don't we just put it in September and yeah. not against anything? It's so weird to me. And I understand nice people guys. go on holidays. Holidays, Yeah. But it's two out of the last three weeks they haven't released any new movies. I think because Hollywood's still stuck in the traditional data of, you know, there was a time before the blockbuster when, you know, went back to school, people wouldn't go out to the movies on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And they haven't wisened up to the fact that at this point with, like, superhero movies, there's such a fan base you could put a super, superhero movie out any time, and it would... I mean, Captain America out came it. out in, I think... April. On, uh, no, the fir- was the first one April, or the first one was in February? first one was yeah. in July, then the second one was in April, and then the third one was in May. That's why summer keeps moving up. Like, now it's April. Mm-hmm. It used to be yeah. Memorial Day week- weekend. Yeah. Which one came out in February? That is a Marvel one. Are you sure it's not the first Captain America? Deadpool? Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. And, th- and this year, the, we have uh, Black Panther coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next, year, there's, there's so little right now that Dunkirk is still number six. I know. Spider I, loved, I love Dunkirk. I think like, Spider-Man's been number seven for the last three weeks. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, but next week we'll be back. Uh, we'll be seeing It. Will we yeah. float? Uh, maybe. I hope so. Uh, you weren't here last week, James, You'll but I saw Annabelle Creation because oh. we didn't know what we were going to see. Yeah. And before but, Annabelle Creation, they had like a 10-minute opening of It. Whoa. And it 
people were like terrified. Uh, oh no, am I not gonna like it because it's gonna actually not. scare me? Oh fuck. no, oh you might. Did you have you read the reviews about it? Well, I yeah, everything so, I'm seeing says that like it's got a lot of heart and yeah, it's so really it's good. like the Goonies but, but rated R. Uh, <laughs> I both I am both excited and scared. Well, I, I mentioned it last week the the preview is uh, basically the opening of the movie where Georgie gets. Maybe not quite the boat. The boat, yeah, and it goes down there, yeah. and so Pennywise comes up, and Bill Skarsgård's delivery is creepy yeah. and awesome, and there, there's this part. It's I, it's it was so I don't get scared. I mean, but it was so tense in the theater. There's a part where he's talking. He's giving this monologue about. He's like, "You like cotton candy and all this other stuff and whatever he's saying." Yeah, and. Then Pennywise stops talking, and he's just, like, staring at Georgie for, like, a good three or four beats. It's not like a oh, not like okay, quick one. Quick one. Yeah. It's continuous, and his, like, <laughs> eyes slowly go to, like, the side of his head, <laughs> and it's, like, really creepy. And uh, then the next thing is, like, yeah, why don't, why don't you reach in here and get your boat? And it's like, oh, he's about to get his arm ripped off. Anyone not read the book yet? Haven't yet, so. I haven't read the book. Yeah, it's not worth it. Okay. I got into argument with my brothers. My brothers, so my older brother, my younger brother, like, we read all the time. They listen to books. I'm like, that's not reading. Listening to someone talk about a book, read a book, is not reading. It's, you're listening. <laughs> sure. But whatever. They're like, oh, we like it. And like, you're like, when the kids have, like, the little kids have sex, and whatever. Wait, the kids are going to have sex? They took that part out of the movie. I read an interview with the director. Weird. Yeah, it is weird. Why is Why is that in the book? Because Stephen King was on Coke. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> so uh, this week... Hey, hey, you remember Cujo? Because he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we're going to go back in time yet again to another exciting film explosion. Not really. Uh, film explosion 1997. I thought, I thought this year was awful. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm so interested to see what's on your list. Yeah. Well, I will agree with you that this is a year where like, I looked at it and there's things on my top 10 list that I'm like... Uh, it's not like I love that, but there's some good shit in that. Year. So I mean, I liked a lot of movies, but none. Of, you know, I'm I'm gonna put in the pantheon like that one right there. Yeah, there's no that way. one means like how the Monster Squad meant something to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this means these movies mean like jack shit. There's no Princess Bride. There's no yeah. Okay. Well, I'll be honest with you. There's at least two from this year that I'm like, oh no, I adore that movie. There's about four. For me, yeah. oh, well, I already There's know three. you. You don't count. Yeah. We, we don't even need to. We do don't even know, know you. Do we don't even do your number one. We can just say it right now. Um, uh, Titanic. But, but, it's like if, <laughs> but if we did 1993, we wouldn't have to wait for my number one. I would just read it right away. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, if you've never been part of a film explosion, what we do is we reveal our top ten movies from a specific year, and we'll reveal each one. We'll play the trailer as long as it's not a repeat. If it's a repeat, we won't play the trailer again. Um, or, if, or if there's not too much swearing, we don't want to have too much swearing. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> ass, ass, titties, titties, ass. So I, oh. Before we go, so I have to tell you this annoying conversation I had with Comcast Xfinity yesterday. So I moved, and I had Xfinity. Mm-hmm. I so the guy who I I've had Xfinity for four years now, and when I was moving, I said, "Hey, you know, my house is selling faster. I can buy a new one." So I don't need cables or way you can suspend your uh, service. And he says, yeah, you can, but you you have, have you have to have it suspended for three months. And That's, you still have to pay like 25 bucks a month. That's stupid. He said, what I'll do is I'll give you an open call constantly. 
And then when I call once a month, just say you haven't found a place and I'll change it to the next month. And he's like, then you don't have to cancel it. Then you don't have to, and you don't have to pay anything. He said, just pay it up to what you have. And then yeah. I'll just keep it. I'll keep it open. Basically is what he's doing. Yeah. I said, cool. Found my house, ordered Comcast. It came. I have the Comcast app so I can just pay stuff online. Yeah. So uh, I looked. Uh, so they generate their bill on the 19th of the month. I looked on August 19th. It said I owed zero dollars. I'm like, oh, I got installed on the 27th of July. So I guess I didn't generate a bill this month. Mm-hmm. So they'll give me maybe a month and two weeks on my next bill. Whatever. So still going. I checked the mail yesterday. I have a bill from Comcast for four hundred and eighteen dollars with a past due amount saying I never paid the bill. Mm. I was like, what the fuck? So I pulled up the app. It still says zero dollars on it. What? So I called Comcast and they go, uh, well, I chatted with them online because it's they're impossible to get on the phone. Yeah. And they go, oh, well, you got a new account number. So that's your new account number. You're looking at your old account number. And I said to the lady, I said, so how is it my fault that I don't have it updated on my app? How am I supposed to know? Yeah. She said, well, you have a new account number. I said, I guarantee you I can't update my new account number on my account without your you guys doing it. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and the thing that really pissed me off is there, if your account is in good standing for three months since I reactivated my service, I get a $200 Visa gift card. Oh. I don't get it now because my account's not in good standing. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, so I, so I paid it. And I, oh, I was so fucking mad. I was talking to the, the, their supervisor because I, because this lady, she just kept on saying sorry. I'm like, you are not helping me. Right. Transfer me to the people that can put the bill on my app. And then, and she's like, just let me talk to your supervisor. And I don't want to talk to you anymore. She says, can we resolve this? I said, can you help me? Can you give me my Visa gift card? Can you waive the late charges? Can you tell me how I've never gotten a bill and I get a bill without even having the service for a month with a late fee from a previous month? And she's like, hold on for my supervisor. Like, that's why I, th- I don't like being a dick. Yeah. And then he comes on. He just starts explaining the bill to me. I'm like, I'm not a fucking retard. I understand the bill. <laughs> it's, I understand. It's, you didn't bill me. Yeah. It's two months of did. service. I get it. It's for August and September. My app, which you over, you have already seen my previous account, says I owe zero dollars. Right. And now I can't. I said, and how no do I get? ever told me like, oh, yeah. yeah, you got to go change the number. Yeah, that's what I told him. I said, I don't. The money is not the issue. I don't care about the fucking money. I can yeah. pay the bill. Right. I want what's fair. And now you're trying to swindle this like $200 gift card out of me. And I and he's like, well, let me check into that gift card for you. And so, you know, it's like analyst is typing. Uh, your account has to be active for 90 days in good standing. But on further review, you have a delinquency in August. I was like, you motherfucker. <sighs> I'm like, I am. I put it in all capitals. I am aware. Just transfer me to the department where I can pay this bill and leave me the loan. And then magically, they didn't transfer me to the department. The call dropped and I didn't get to fill out the survey. Aww. So I called them, set up automatic bill pay, um, got a text that was paid. And I'm at like eating dinner yesterday and the Comcast calls me I'm like, oh. They're probably going to apologize. And the lady's like on the phone, mm, we see that your account is delinquent. Do you want to take care of that today? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I, was like, I literally just talked to somebody about this and it's paid. I'm not going to talk to you guys right now because you guys are pissing me off. And she oh. says, oh, hang on. Oh, yeah, it hasn't been updated. I see that you've paid. I'm like, yeah, I fucking paid. I paid 418 fucking dollars today. Oh, and man. She's, I said, I'm not taking it on you. I said, but this is ridiculous. Yeah. I said, uh, she's like, well, it's been escalated, and I understand. I'm going to waive the $9.86 late fee. I'm like, oh. <laughs> what? Thank you. <laughs> uh, says, we'll, you're we'll, not helping, lady. I'm, I'm like, I'll see, we'll see if we can get you that gift card. I'm like, I don't even fucking care anymore. Right. Hey, man, she waived the $9. She I'm did. just saying, you can get a McDonald's meal for that now. Exactly. <laughs> she just bought <laughs> your dinner. 
she's it wasn't her fault. And I told her that I was like, I'm sorry, you just got me at a bad time. I just dealt for an hour and a half on chat with uh, people, and now you're calling me saying it's not paid. I I just she said I understand, and that's not how we do business. I'm like obviously it is. <laughs> yeah. I said you can have someone call me from the super advisor department because that's bullshit. I think Comcast is like rated the worst customer service out of any company, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's awful. And like I said, I don't care. I don't care about the money. But if they didn't even send me a paper bill saying you owe this much, if they would have sent me a paper bill, I would have looked at that and I would have fixed it right then and there, you know. Mm -hmm. But they didn't send it to me. Instead, they're like, oh, it's they. in my mind, they purposely waited till it was late, Mm -hmm. sent it to me. Like, now we don't have to give them the $200 Visa gift card, which I mean, that might be like me just being an ass. But I'm pretty sure that's what happened, because why didn't I get one before? Why was my service not terminated when the bill was due on the 16th? Get fucked, Comcast. Yeah, fuck it in your ass. <laughs> so in the history of this podcast, you've been screwed over by Disney, Dish, Dish Network, mm-hmm. now Comcast. Have you been with Quest at all? <laughs> no. So the Dish Network was different because they would just drop channels constantly, mm-hmm. and they make you pay for it. <sighs> Fucking cable TV. Uh, DirecTV? I've never used them. Do you try I, DirecTV? No, I like Direct Comcast TV because the, inter- uh, the internet's so fast. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like the internet, no, the Quest is uh, Dish. Yeah. CenturyLink. CenturyLink, yeah. Well, CenturyLink. With DirecTV. I'm so old and calling Quest still. I know. Yep. I remember when Quest got indicted and the FBI raided them downtown. I was at the Avalanche game the same day. And like, half the uh, first period stats brought to you by Quest. I was going, boom. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> they don't uh, exist anymore. Well, funny. they're CenturyLink, but yeah. Well, they exist as something else. <laughs> Yeah, something crazy. Just change the name. East and West Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So you're equating, yeah, two superpowers. (laughs) So that has nothing to do with the podcast. I was just so so mad. What were the cable companies in 1997? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow, what is it? Was AT and T? I think U.S. West was a phone. I think. I think my. I think we had AT and T, and then the Comcast bought them. Oh, was AT and T broadband? Yeah, something like that. And then they like became that. Comcast. Yeah. And now Comcast Xfinity is NBC Universal. Do you remember uh, when they got bought and Conan was still like late night Conan? Mm-hmm. And he, they he, uh, uh, yeah, Dan remembers. And he would have a switch next to his desk where he just play random clips from Walker Texas Ranger because yeah. he they owned him. It was amazing. Walker told me I have AIDS. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Or they'd show one of this kid. I always remember this one where he pulled it and this kid just jumped off the side of a building and went splat. <laughs> <laughs> had nothing to do with anything. But we're talking about films from 1997. Uh, I just had to get that Comcast story off my I chest. bet I was watching a lot of Walker in 1997. Probably. I bet I was. Um, so, yeah, we actually didn't get... Uh, oh, we got a couple I got, uh, I got responses. A, I got a response. And actually, my wife sent one in, which is amazing. She never fucking pays attention oh, to this man, podcast. There we go. On it. Gross. I know. What came out this year that she likes? SLC Punk or some shit? No. Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Is that any on anybody That's else's? a movie? Mm-hmm. I, I, it's not on my list, but it's not, it's not <laughs> terrible. It's like a cult, like, yeah. chick flick, I it's think. It's got its audience. Yeah. Um. So who wants to start us yeah. off? James, you've been out of practice. I'm not going to start with you. Brad, oh, okay. we'll start with you. Nice. <laughs> so, Brad, tell us your number 10 movie from 1997. All right. Are you ready for this? My number 10 dun, dun. from 1997 is Return of the Jedi Special Edition. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> On March 7th, 
return to the fight for freedom. In the name of adventure. I'm Luke Skywalker. I have a really bad feeling about this. Return of the Jedi. I will not fight you. You must confront Vader. You are unwise to lower your defenses. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas present The time for our attack has come. The last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. Well, how could they be jamming us if they don't know if we're coming? It's a trap! Your fleet is lost and your friends will not survive. of the Jedi with newly enhanced visual effects, DHX and digital sound, and a few new surprises. Live the magic. Experience the power and feel the force like never before. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. So be it. Jedi. On March 7th, the last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. Return of the Jedi. It's awesome. Even Special Edition with like the horrible CGI in it. Uh, hey, it's so, still Star Wars. Yeah, so it's not really on my list because... <laughs> I mean, Return of the Jedi is a great movie, and even yeah. with the additions, it's cool. It's, it's, you know, whatever. It's different. But, um... Like, it's really on my list because of the memories associated with me and my buddies hanging out at, like, the premiere night uh, at Southwest Plaza. This teacher Rome looks like a dick. It does look like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> looks like Zach's dick. Whoa! Oh. Actual size. <laughs> Ladies, you won't be satisfied. <laughs> oh. Or men. I never so- promised to either. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Um, we had to get it out of the name, way. Too, wait, wait, pork I'm, skins. Checking the, I'm checking the clock. Ten minutes in, we we had to offend James's mom. <laughs> um, Sorry, Carol. <laughs> but back to my story. Uh, me and my buddies hanging out at Southwest Plaza. I, what was it called then? Oh, it was just the Bulls Theater, I think. Anyway, but um, it was a man theater then. Oh man, and, remember man? M a n n n. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there's a media play on the corner of the plaza, and you know, while, while we were waiting in line for the movie to start, like we'd go next door, buy Star Wars cards, and then come back. And play them in front of the theater while we were waiting for Star Wars to start. And I good times. Those cards, yeah, the CCG game from mm-hmm. Decipher. Yep, yep. I mean, they still exist. They still make those games. But so, like, is there a specific reason why it's just Return of the Jedi? Because like, didn't all three come out this year? Uh, right? It was 1997. Yeah. yeah so. Oh yeah, they were all that year, weren't they? <laughs> well, they well did, maybe you should hang on. <laughs> they did Star Wars. In, they, did, they did Star Wars in January, Empire in February, and then Return of the Jedi in March. Okay. And honestly, yeah. you looked at the list and you were like, "Well, it's either that or." Con Air, and you thought, well, Con Air is pretty good, but Return of the Jedi. I remember seeing uh, A New Hope and Empire um, in that re-release, but we didn't see Jedi for whatever reason. So I, I always love the uh, speeder scene through the the forest. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't really just even about the CGI. Like they cleaned up the print and stuff, oh, so yeah, like yeah. the oh. matte lines on like the speeder scene like was and improved, and so there were some good things to come out. No, of No, I mean it, again, I because I, I recently watched them on well a year ago on Blu-ray, 
And the movie looks great. It's just those parts really suck you out of it because they don't fit. Yeah. yeah. Like the CGI, like dancing, singing aliens don't fit at all. Oh, I mean, it looked yeah, great in 97, but now when you watch it, you're like, yeah. it stands out like a sore thumb. I'm wondering at which edition he changed the end credit song from uh, 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 the Nub Nub song to that's something else. It was, well, but I think it was the later Blu-ray editions, right? Because no. that's when he... Oh, was I, it? I, I, in oh. the theater, yeah. Right. Well, oh, we're talking about right now. Oh, okay. Why'd you get rid of Nub Nub, ja? uh, George Lucas? I don't know. I'm that was done adjusting them. What? <laughs> something Marquand. Can't believe I can't think of that. Richard Marquand. Name. Richard Marquand. Like he decided the Num Num song, and then clearly it's something George Lucas never liked. Because they went back and they added, they added more to that as well. Yeah, there's a bunch like of Lord of the Rings yeah. endings at the end. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Where you get to see all the different planets celebrating. All I, all you get to hear one is Num Num. You get to hear a cameo by Jar Jar going, "We suffer." Oh God damn. Wait, what? Yep. Yeah, and the Go DVD watch the special, Rays, DVD special oh, edition DVD, and then the yeah. Blu-ray. Yeah. Yep. I'm talking about the 97 Ooh. one, guys. I know. I know. <laughs> Let's stick to that. I know. Uh, so. Yeah, it was good. I thoroughly enjoyed see- seeing those, though. I remember seeing, I think it was Empire, where when the when it started and the song was playing, I was like at the, you know, I was there with my family and I was on the end for whatever weird reason. And there was this, this strange girl sitting next to me who sang the entire Star Wars theme at the beginning of the movie. Like out loud, and I was, I, I, it was, it's the first time I can remember wanting to hit someone in a, in a theater. Um, like just wanting to turn to her and be like, you need to shut up! Um, Fandom for Star Wars is real. Yeah. It was so stupid. Cool. It's my number 10. Nice. Zach? Cool. Well, um, so my number 10, um, I have to preface it by asking a question, and you guys have to be honest. Do I make you horny, baby? God damn Do it. I? <laughs> no. My, my number 10 is Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. In 1967, an international secret agent was cryogenically frozen in case the world ever required his services again. Now, evil is threatening the earth, and the time has come to bring him back into the 90s. <laughs> it's not unusual. Allow myself to introduce. Myself. Danger powers, personal effects. Actually, my name is Austin Powers. Danger's my middle name. I'm gonna need you to sign these release forms. Okay, name. Sex? Yes, please. In his time, he was the coolest secret agent alive. Unfortunately... It's freedom, baby, yeah! This is not his time. He's a swinger in a square world. A lot's changed since 1967. Bring on the sexy stews, man! Yeah! We're called flight attendants now. And he's a stranger in a strange land. This is my mother, Mrs. Exposition. Lovely. Austin! What have you done? That's not your mother, it's a man, baby! Why won't this wig come off? Well, now you shake it to the left. Ow! That really hurt. Who throws a shoe? Honestly. Mike Myers. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Elizabeth Hurley. Don't forget these. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Austin Powers. <laughs> International man of mystery. Oh, Austin, that's you in a nutshell. No, this is me in a nutshell. Help! I'm in a <laughs> nutshell! 
Um, <laughs> it's not my favorite Austin Powers movie. <laughs> this actually shows up li- way later on my list. Oh, yeah, really? It's oh, really wow. good. Um, I think I lo- it's my number eleven. I love the film. Um, I think it's actually a very, very. It's a. I think it's a smarter script than most people uh, give it credit for. I think so too. Um, if, like if you're, I mean, you have to take out the uh, ad libbing that comes throughout the film, obviously, because of Mike Myers' ability to improv. Um, but like if you read the script itself, which like was one of the features on the DB, the old DVD, like on the DVD ROM interactive, <coughs> it's like it's really smart. It's well played out. It's, it's it, the tone is correct. It, he's he's homaging a very specific type of film with the like the in like flints and the um yeah. Dean Martin Dean Martin did a detective series which is a, a heavy influence on this film um and like Doctor Evil is just an inspired creation mm-hmm. like I, I God like I love uh, my one of my new favorite lines after rewatching it this year because my original was when he does the Macarena for Scott is um when uh he's got um uh. Elizabeth Hurley, and he's like, the tables have turned, Mr. Powers. And then uh, Austin Powers grabs Scott and goes, like, looks like the tables have turned again. Fine, go ahead, kill a little bastard. See if I care. <laughs> you just going to let him kill me? I hate you. Oh, come on, Scott. Don't, you know Daddy doesn't like it when you talk like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, so good. it shows up a lot later on my list because to me, well, I, actually, I think it's the best Austin Powers movie mm-hmm. because it, it captured something that, didn't catch on in the theaters. It, it, I mean, it was ses- successful, but it really caught on on home video. I remember when it came out on DVD, it was a big deal, mm-hmm. and everybody was watching it. And it's one of those movies that is a lot smarter than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Because, two, Dr. Evil isn't in it that much. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of an Austin Powers movie, and it's you know him trying to be reacquainted with the with man the, out of time. Yeah, the man yeah. out of time. Steve thing. Rogers. And it's... Uh, and so when Dr. Evil comes on, it's a lot like Johnny Depp and Jack Sparrow. When Dr. Evil comes on, it's like a real treat because yeah. they're setups. And um, when it gets to mine, instead of playing the trailer, I'll make Brad play my favorite uh, Seth Green moment from it. But uh, <laughs> it's just it, it just really captured lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And, you know, and the later ones are still really funny. But I, I think this one just it, it more embraced the in like Flint the Bond stuff, the more of the yeah. spy kind of goofiness. Um, it remember when he comes right out of cryogenic freezing and he's talking to Michael York's character, and he's like, um, like he's going like a lot has changed, Austin. Good, maybe those capitalist pigs will pi- finally pay for their crimes. <laughs> Austin, we won the war. Oh, sh- shagadelic! Yay, capitalism! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's Mike Myers when he's on is great, and he doesn't really do movies very often anymore because he made so much money probably with Austin Powers. Yeah, but you know it's uh, well. I think he took a big hit with the Love Guru, sadly. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He makes yeah. tons of money, and he made with Shrek. It doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, Shrek he, money. He, you know the when he's getting all his stuff back from after he gets unfrozen. <laughs> That's not and mine. He's, he's like Swedish penis enlarger. That's not mine. <laughs> Um, one book, my Swedish penis and larger in me this, by one Austin Powers. This this thing is my kind of bag. <laughs> uh, who and, throws uh, the shoe? Honestly, and I think Elizabeth Hurley is gorgeous, oh, yeah. so I love that movie too. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I have uh, her action figure from that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, cool. I mean, I I think it's the I, I would agree with you. It's the best one, but my favorite one will for sentimental reasons will always be the Spy Who Shagged Me. 
So yeah, because that was the first one I saw in the theater. So. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, See, I'm uh, older to, to than me, you. They, so I know you are. <clears throat> to me, the, the, the sequels end up suffering <laughs> just because they like they suffer from sort of that Shrek thing where the sequels have so many references to the old movies that it doesn't stand on its own as well. Like, there's, yeah. there's so many jokes where you're like, oh, remember that joke from the first movie? Yeah. We're doing it again, which is a very Michael Myers thing. Yeah. Um, and where some of it's like really inspired, though. I, I do love yeah. in the third one where they have that huge opening and uh, Steven Spielberg's directing it. I love his cameo. because oh, so good. Because uh, you know, Oz Bauer says, having said that, I have some thoughts, and Spielberg just turns with his Oscar. Yeah, see this guy right here? He says it's fine. <laughs> I think it's great. Oh, yeah. And the, the it, whole mean, it, opening section. launched Jay Roach as a, as a com- comedic director. And, and then allowed him to be able to take chances like he did Trumbo two years ago. Exactly. Like, he's a good dramatic director, too. Exactly. So yeah. there you go. Very cool. Yeah. Good pick. James? Uh, my number 10 is a movie that just had the sort of um, my first two are sort of movies that like I just think are cool and interesting but aren't necessarily the best. Um, my number 10 is a little con film called The Spanish Prisoner. Something big, huh? That's what they all think back home, something big. Could be something big. What is it? Sworn to secrecy. Without the formula, the Japanese, or anyone else for that matter, would have nothing. You're asking us to consider making a vast investment. I want to know, what do we own? Obviously, we don't want to get too specific for security reasons. Mr. Ross, take a picture, sir? Sure. I'll give you $1,000 for that camera. Ever get the urge to do something adventurous, in spite of the ancient wisdom against inter-office romances? I think you're a lovely young woman. Can you see without those things? Sure. Why don't you take them off? The fella said we must never forget that we are human. And as humans, we must dream. And when we dream, we dream of money. Everybody on vacation's got a story. What do you do? I'm with the FBI. Campbell Scott, Rebecca Pigeon, Steve Martin, Ben Gazzara, Ricky Jay, Felicity Huffman. We have no idea who anyone is. Like they say at the airport, did anyone give you a package? You mistrust everybody? Just strangers. You now have a Swiss bank account. Code word, Patty. Why? Critics call it David Mamet's best foray into filmmaking. Mr. Ross, you're in a lot of trouble. I've done nothing wrong. Now, Mr. Ross, if I told you this story, would you believe it? A taut, intriguing tale. It is the oldest confidence game on the books. Spanish prison. The man who supplies the money gets the fortune and the girl. I believe we have a problem. People aren't that complicated, Joe. Good people, bad people. They generally look like what they are. The Spanish prisoner. Why are so many people having such difficulty? That's the question baffles me. Don't think I've ever heard of this. Uh, yeah, it's a David Mamet movie from 1997. Fuck, I forgot ah. your Blu-ray of American Buffalo. Oh, shit, you got me a Blu-ray of American Buffalo? Oh, my God. I, that's my favorite David Mamet film. Um, so the Spanish prisoner is, uh, a, uh, <laughs> a very difficult movie to find. You can get it on DVD, uh, and you might be able to stream it someplace. Actually here, maybe, uh, oh yeah, you can watch it on Amazon right now. You can rent it. Cool. Um, it stars, uh, Scott Campbell and Steve Martin and some lady. And, uh, basically Scott Campbell gets sort of sucked into this, like there's a con going on and he gets sucked into it and, you're you're never quite sure like who it it's one of those 
con movie inside of a con inside of a con sort of things. The where, inception of cons. Yeah. Uh, by the by, the end of the movie, when you finally figure out like what's going on, you there's no way you could have figured it out on your own, almost to a ridiculous degree where you're like, okay, that's a bit much. But the 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 um, the the mystery itself, I think, is pretty fun, and the dialogue is is pretty great. Um, not like I said, not my favorite David Mamet, but was a fun one. I remember watching it with my folks, probably in ninety eight, ninety nine, something like that, on on uh, on VHS. Um, What's unrated? Is it like a PG thirteen thing, or I think it's PG thirteen. Let me look. I think it's R. It might be R, just because David Mamet likes to say fuck a lot. <laughs> I like to say fuck a lot. Um, Ryan, you're totally like David Mamet I in am. every way. <laughs> Interesting that on. Uh, on Letterboxd, I have no idea where it tells you what the rating is. I think it's up by the name. It's like a little gray, like like the runtime and the year. No. I'm on the page and I'm not seeing it at all. Anyway, uh, um, I was just curious. But. Yeah, it's it's either PG-13 or R. It might if it's R, it's only rated R because they say fuck a lot. Oh, Ricky J is in the movie. Always a good sign. If Ricky J is in a con movie, you should see it. <laughs> um, he does magic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Check out, uh, check out the Spanish prisoner. It's a cool little, you know, it's not terribly long and it's not a movie you'll watch a million times. It's just when you're it's watching, you like, PG. is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well that would explain why I saw it when I was like 15, 14. Um, huh. or no, I guess it would have been, I would have been 10 or 11 probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for sure, check it out. Spanish prisoner. Yeah. So That's funny cool. story about American Buffalo is I remember when we were, you were talking about David Mamet and how much you love that film, and you said it's not on Blu-ray. Yeah. I, uh, I subscribed to Twilight Time's like, newsletter. And Twilight Time, if people don't know, is, is really limited edition Blu-rays. only make like 3,000 of each one. Oh, like wow. MGM's titles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, and sometimes some other ones. But I, so I got an email, and it's like, Flash Cell, 999 Twilight Time movies. I'm like, all right, I'll look at them. First one on there was American Buffalo. Oh, man. So I ordered it, and I'm going through the checkout, and it's like, shipping. Fifteen ninety seven. Like what the fuck? So then I also ordered Vincent Price's Theater of Blood, which I've never seen, but he's like Shakespeare actor who murders people. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited to. Yeah, I want to. I'll let you, I'll let you borrow it. it. Yes, there we go. I'll have Perfect. to watch it, but I heard he's he's like plays a Shakespeare actor, and when he gets panned by a critic, he starts murdering people. So I'm like, all right, that's it's supposed cool. to be good. Take yeah, it's that. like a horror comedy. <laughs> uh, yeah, American Buffalo is like a little David Mamet movie from like the year before this that is a play that they made into a Dustin Hoffman film mm. um so the whole thing takes place like in a in an antique store with these like sort of thieves who think they have a really good coin and most of the most of the movie is just conversations about whether or not they can successfully like almost like David Mamet can write yeah yeah <laughs> see where so. Aaron Sorkin likes to walk David Mamet likes to stay in one place. Yes. Oh, man, the tagline here on, on Letterboxd for American Buffalo is, they had a plan, it wasn't worth a nickel. Oh. Because <gasps> it's about a buffalo nickel. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, rated, anyway. It's rated PG for thematic elements, including tension, some violent images, and brief language. Which one? The years. Oh, Pr- Spanish prisoner. prisoner or, yeah, oh, yeah, Spanish yeah. prisoner. So yeah. there's a and user review Spleen thinks it runs rings around the usual suspects. <laughs> Ooh. Interesting. Spleen. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Spleen. <laughs> it won the Clotrudis Award. <laughs> oh, no. Clitoris Award? It was, it was nominated. Clitoris Sorry. Award? Oh. Uh, it says 99. Indie Spirit Awards oh, 99. It's, it's 97 on Letterboxd, so. 
Uh, yeah, it's 97. It may, yeah, it may, it may be that it won that award in 99. It took like a year and a half to get through like the award circuit yeah. or the indie circuit. Well, and I'm sure it's like it premiered at Sundance in 97 and yeah. was available for anyone to watch in 99 after $15 was floated its way as an investment to get a VHS copy made. Like, <laughs> this isn't a movie that most people saw. Even though it's got Steve Martin in it, you know, you would think like, you know, but it's it's weird Steve Martin. It's dramatic Steve Martin. You don't like dramatic Steve Martin? No, I'm just saying in 1997, dramatic Steve Martin was not like, throw some money behind it, Steve Martin. Oh, you don't um, think so? Well, excuse me. Well, fuck off. Anyway. <laughs> you just did that. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, that's and my number 10. I went there, got a t-shirt, came back. <laughs> Ryan? Uh, my number 10 is maybe a black uh, a black horse. Um, it's it's uh, So it stars a comedian who I adore. And if I had to pick a movie with this comedian, it's not his best movie. But it's, I can't describe. It's like, oh the, my god, are you gonna say Vegas Vacation? No, Nutty Professor. <laughs> no, um, uh. it, it plays to his strengths because he breaks the fourth wall in the movie all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, Rodney Dangerfield and Meet Wally Sparks. Oh. Rodney's back. No, in a film, oh. critics are calling a laugh riot. Deliciously naughty, classic yeah. danger beat. got me right in the touche. Meet Wally Sparks, rated R, starts Friday. Uh, I just no, hire. so in it, it's. I think it made like a million dollars. It's so in it, and his uh, a Gramercy picture. So you know they didn't know how to market anything. Yeah. So in it, he plays a late night host. He's kind of like a Jay Leno, and he's just trying to <laughs> get money and sl- uh, like take his act into like high society. <laughs> Typical Rodney Dangerfield, um, and it's really—I I actually think it's pretty funny. Um, it's it's rated R, so he can be a little more like Rodney Dangerfield, a little more dirty. Mm. I mean, there's a part where he's outside with all these uh, statues, and this one statue has uh, like a dong, and he accidentally breaks it off, and he puts it in his pocket, and he's walking around, and it looks like he has a huge dick just walking around. <laughs> and uh, I think it's in the trailer. I, I haven't I haven't seen this movie in a while because it's only on DVD and VHS. But he's fencing a dude in it, and he gets poked in the ass, and he looks at the camera. He's like, "Whoa, he got me right in the touche." <laughs> it's like really like <laughs> dorky Rodney Dangerfield. Um, Those if, are great jokes, guys. <laughs> yeah, if you li- see, I'm actually a fan of even his later stuff. So like, Meet Wally Sparks is pretty funny. Um, it's just him trying to get into high society, and it's just him being Rodney Dangerfield. And then he also has one called My Five Wives, where he's like a polygamist. It's just like I, they're not very well known Rodney Dangerfield stuff, but I really like them. Yeah. Because uh, I, I love the man. I think he's brilliant. Oh, yeah. And being a fan, it's just cool seeing him being a star of something. I feel Back to School is probably his best movie, but uh, this one is pretty dorky. and It's not Wally huh. Sparks related, but have you seen the clip of him uh, praising Sam Kinison and then Sam Kinison paying him off? <laughs> yeah. It's really funny. Oh, yeah. No. It, well, I mean, he he discovered Sam Kinison, so... Yeah. Um, it's just funny watching Sam Kinison like pull money out of his pocket. <laughs> yeah. It's all crumpled up, and he's just trying to straighten it out and give it to Dangerfield. And Dangerfield's like struggling to find a way to compliment this kid. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you should seek it out. It's, I think it's, it's probably pretty hard to find. I'm, mm. I'm sure the DVD is probably like two bucks. Yeah. But you'd have to order it on yeah, Amazon. Yeah. Find it in a bin somewhere. Yeah. Right? You guys um, can go to your local car wash. And... <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It might be in one of those. <laughs> There's that gas station down in Colorado. They got some little bins and or some Blu-rays and a. In a little basket on the shelf. Yeah, uh, it doesn't exist. If it existed on Blu-ray, I'd definitely or have DVDs, it. DVDs, yeah. Um, Criterion's putting it out. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I had the VHS, and I saw it a few years ago when it was. I think it was streaming on Amazon or something. Oh. and it's just dorky. Yeah. Like it, it's not a great movie, 
But I just love anything that will showcase Rodney Dangerfield because I think he's been gone for maybe 10 years now, and I think uh, he's kind of forgotten of being so great. Uh, So you should seek him out, too, on uh, YouTube. He has a lot of bits with Carson. Yeah, uh, just he's. I think he's on Carson over a hundred times. He probably he's probably close with Don Rickles for most appearances. Oh yeah, Carson. Yeah, um, and he's he's always the best at the self-deprecating humor. Yeah, you know, no respect, no respect. So you should definitely check out Holy Sparks because it's goofy. Yeah, cool. Yep. My my next guest was going to be Rocket Man, starring Har- Harlan Williams. So I think you you chose better. <laughs> I saw that in the theater. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. Step in my office. Why? I owned the VHS. Fired. It's the best Harlan Williams moment in any movie ever. Mm-hmm. From There's oh. Something About Mary, mm-hmm. which is 1999, so it's not this movie. Or <laughs> um, Brad, number nine. My number nine is The Empire Strikes Back, special edition. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> On February 21st, 20th Century Fox and George Lucas present the next chapter in the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. The Empire Strikes Back. Skywalker will join us or die. I'm not afraid. You will be. An epic adventure with a force all its own. You're not actually going into an asteroid field. They'd be crazy to follow us, wouldn't they? Your destinies are foretold. You will be tempted by the dark side. Fears are awakened. And secrets are at long last revealed. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. Then, on March 7th, don't miss the final chapter of the Star Wars trilogy. Return of the Jedi. Let's go. A time to take cover. For the final battle is about to begin. The Empire Strikes Back. And Return of the Jedi. Both with newly enhanced visual effects. THX and digital sound. And a few new surprises. Join me. It is your destiny. The Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. You haven't seen anything till you've seen everything. So, after, so I'm not you think, sure if and this, this one's on my list because I hung out in front of the theater with my friends, <laughs> Star Wars cars, and it was a good time. That's it. Are these the ones where you, or is the Phantom Menace when you first started collecting tickets? Uh, I mean, I collected. I think my first ticket in my collection is Star Trek: First Contact. Nice. No. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Uh, so, that's, but, it's it's uh, th- it's my favorite Star Wars movie, and that's like really canned. It's like everybody's favorite one, but I always liked the the tension between Luke and Vader in this one. Oh yeah, I, it's a brilliant film. I didn't appreciate it like as much as like the best one back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think back then my favorite was actually maybe Return of the Jedi because I thought like the lightsaber duel at the yeah, end was I th- cool. I think when you're younger, because I remember younger, I did really love Return of the Jedi. Because I think Return of the Jedi is the more uplifting one. Yeah. Where in you know Empire, it's the the good guys make a lot of mistakes, and they, there's doesn't have that wonderment of a New Hope. And you know, in Return of the Jedi, they kind of 
you know, get him back. And this one, it's like Darth Vader's like, no, Cloud yeah. City. No, thanks for writing everyone out. <laughs> yeah, there's Lando. No, there's and, no like, uh, like major stakes. You know, there's not mm-hmm. like a Death Star's closing in on a planet about to eradicate. It's a character it's, piece. Everyone's just kind of hanging out and like just going on to the next part of the story. And you're just kind of existing with them. Except for Darth Vader, where he had to wait in that room for that one classic line: "We'd be honored if you join us for dinner." <laughs> Is that a classic line from that? Yeah. It's one of my classic lines. Um, I've never heard anyone quote that before. If I had to pick a classic line from it, it would probably not be that one. It would probably be this one. (laughs) I did not insert anything in there. You all know what it is. That's just why you fail. One of the most misquoted movie quotes of all time. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Nice. That's my number nine. I love that film. Awesome. The the misquote is the no disintegrations line. That's yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely it is. No disintegrations. All right, guys. So my number eight, or number nine, sorry. I, I did not want to skip there. <laughs> uh, my number nine is a, it's a comedy, and I don't know how popular it is today, um, but it's got Kevin Klein in it and uh, Tom Selleck, and it's called In and Out. In the quiet town of Greenleaf, Indiana... A high school teacher is about to be married. After three long years, and I'm sure a lot of you were asking, what was the problem? You said it. (laughs) A former student is about to be honored. And the winner is Cameron Drake to serve and protect. But for Howard Brackett. I'd like to dedicate this whole night to a great guy and a great teacher, to Howard Brackett from Greenleaf, Indiana. A bombshell is about to drop. And he's gay. First I was afraid. I was petrified. Kept thinking I could never Howard, what is he talking about? I have no idea. I mean, I'm nobody. I'm just a little teacher in a little town. Oh, it's going to be fine. By tomorrow night, whoo ha, we'll even remember. There he is, that's him. Mr. Ratchet, do you know Ellen? A teacher in trouble. A town under siege. Are you? What? Uh, oh, 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 Homeroom teacher. Of course the guy thinks you're gay. You're smart and well-dressed. And really clean. And you're kind of prissy. Prissy? Welcome to our series on exploring your masculinity. Stand straight and tall. Truly manly men do not dance. Oh, come on. Mr. Brackett? Yes? Watch the hands. Paramount Pictures and Spelling Entertainment present... A story about a man who was pronounced out. I may hire an attorney. I may sue. Get Johnny Cochran, not that woman. Before the jury was in. Does anybody here know how many times I've had to watch Funny Lady? You're our son and we'll always love you. As long as you get married. I need some beauty and some music and some place cards before I die. It's like heroin. Kevin Klein, look at me. Do I look like a homosexual? Would, would, would you walk for me? In and out. Repeat after me. Yo. Yo. Hot damn. Hot damn. What a fabulous window treatment. What a fabulous window. That was a trick. <laughs> we made fun of this. I know. <laughs> the President Stephen poster. Yeah. <laughs> the what? I, I think that's too early for you. Yeah. That <laughs> uh, was a while ago. Are we back from the thing yet? I mean, yeah, I think so. <laughs> right. Well, we're still playing the trailer. So, like, early in the podcast days, we were coming up with, like, stupid movie ideas. <laughs> and one of them was, like, a gay president. And so we took 
Kevin Klein from the In and Out poster and oh, put him, like in front right. of the White House, <laughs> like, like uh, Dave, yeah. and like yeah. it was present. Is it like funny colored letters with an exclamation point. President Stephen. <laughs> yeah. I forget why I he was the gay president. I forget too. I have to have to dig that up from yeah. the archives. Uh, it's pro- it's probably in the I, first I bet it, twenty I, episodes. Yeah. But it was uh, that sounds awesome. Somewhat off color. <laughs> it has sure. to be. Uh, it has to be in like my timeline too, because I remember you made the poster. Well, if it's tagged on Facebook, then it might be <laughs> just sure buried the... on our Facebook page. Yeah. Real yeah. nice. Anyway, Anyways. in and out. Uh, so it's uh, the story of a uh, teacher living in a small town, and uh, one of his former students <coughs> wins an Oscar or an award of some kind, and like. Call, basically, like reveals that his th- that this teacher is gay on national television, and the whole movie is Kevin Klein uh, essentially coming to terms with the fact that yes, he is very gay, um, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, the the side plot of it is is that his fiance is having doubts about the uh, <laughs> you're just doing the pose from the poster, his fiance played by I think it's Joan Cusack. Um, is uh, having doubts about like her ability within the marriage, and then the student ends up coming back, and they kind of develop a bit of a romance. So, I think it's really funny. It's like so it's directed by Frank Oz, and I love Frank Oz uh, films, like not just the obvious ones like Little Shop of Horrors and the Score. Um, what the Score? <laughs> oh, boy, we, I, I, good one. that will never be on a top ten, but I'd love to talk about it someday. Um, but uh, no, In and Out. I thought it was like one of those films of his that's like kind of under the radar because I don't think there's a Blu-ray of it available right now that I'm aware of. Um, but uh, it's 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 very smart. It, I I think it's I think it han- unlike other films like it, it it manages to like take the, the 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 topic of homosexuality and kind of like. It doesn't insult Make fun it. Of it. it. Well, no, it doesn't. Actually, oh. it doesn't. Unlike an I pronounce you Chuck and Larry, it does not. <laughs> so, like it, 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 it deals with the anxiety and the, like the like kind of the the idea that this is still very taboo, especially within the confines of his small town. But there are still like jokes that are very on the nose, like the whole like he's got a bunch of Barbra Streisand records and uh, he sings to the song "I'm Coming Out" and all that stuff. So. <laughs> And I think it's my my second favorite Kevin Klein performance because um, hmm. it's just one that I wasn't expecting when I first saw it. So um, yeah, if you haven't seen In and Out, check it out. Cool, James. Uh, my number nine is a movie that I'm I'm very tempted to make a like last minute adjustment and just put Con Air in here instead because I really like Con Air, uh, <laughs> but I'm not gonna. Um, this is a movie that I leave on here because I, I think it's cool and interesting cool. and a fun what? sci-fi movie. Con Air. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was good. Bees uh, on the plane. <laughs> my number nine is a little sci-fi movie called Gattaca. Genetics. What can it mean? The ability to perfect the physical and mental characteristics of every unborn child. In the not-too-distant future, our DNA will determine everything about us. A minute drop of blood, saliva, or a single hair determines where you can work, who you should marry, what you're capable of achieving. 
in a society where success is determined by science, divided by the standards of perfection. One man's only chance... How do you expect to pull this off? I don't know exactly. ...is to hide his own identity. This is the last day that you're going to be you and I'm going to be me. ...by borrowing someone else's. Congratulations. What about the interview? That was it. Do you think you'd be doing what you're doing if it wasn't for who you are, what you are? I have a feeling he might be there under false pretenses, playing somebody else's hand. They've got my picture plastered up all over the place. They'll recognize me. They won't recognize me. They'll recognize me. I don't recognize you. They won't believe that one of their elite could have suckered them all this time. They are going to find me. But in a place where any cell from any part of your body can betray you, how do you hide? When we all shed 500 million cells a day. Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman, welcome to Gattaca. Boo. Get fucked, Ryan. <laughs> now I just need a Rafi on the league. <laughs> Gattaca! Uh, <laughs> Gattaca! <laughs> yes! Uh, with the booze. Mm. Yeah, uh, with Gattaca. murder boner right now. <laughs> Thuma Thurman, with Uma Thurman, right? Yeah, Gattaca is a like very 1990s like, or late 1990s sci-fi movie where it's like high concept but like <laughs> when you go back and watch it it's not actually as interesting as maybe at the time where like it's it's a movie where the idea is the whole point of the film mm-hmm. um but it's you know pre-matrix so it's not like hey we're genetically altered and so we punch super hard like no it's just a movie where he's genetically altered so he's not super good at swimming um it's a uh, it's an interesting film that's sort of a very dystopian like you know this was also at a time when people were making a lot of Philip K Dick movies um, that just makes me think of like Meg with like she can grow her nails like that's his superpower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, basically he he's swim. He's genetically altered, and so he's able to work a desk job and maybe go to space one day. Like that's the whole point of the movie. Um, but you know, he also uh, he also one time he swam really hard, and that's the whole point of the of the whole film. Um, but it Ooh. is it's good. It's it's a interesting sci-fi movie that you should totally check out uh with Ethan Hawke and Jude Law and Uma Thurman back before it should be an alternate audio yeah. commentary where Ryan just goes boo <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, it's it's like I said this these two were the things where I was like well I have to put something at night just insert <laughs> Homer Simpson when he says Gattaca going boring <laughs> Gattaca I thought about putting Tomorrow Never Dies here too because it's my favorite Pierce Brosnan <laughs> Bond it? movie yeah it's not a bad one first one is alright yeah that's it about Gattaca yeah that's it hey did you know that the guy who made Rocket Man also made Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 I didn't know that <laughs> Stuart something yep I already closed the page ah uh, yes from the <laughs> illustrious something family <laughs> figure it out there we go. So while James Gillard. is picking shitty movies for number nine. Actually, oh, come on. <laughs> Sorry, I, I got I to gotta mention this before you say it because you mentioned Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So the most amazing thing is going to happen this week is the the marquee for the Esquire. The midnight movie this week is Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Use. 
and Thursday is the 40-hour best of screening. So I'm going to share Marquee Space <gasps> with one of my nice. favorite movies. Nice. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool, Brad. Way to sneak Take in a the, picture. Yeah, the best <laughs> oh, I, oh, I will, yeah. It's <laughs> the first thing I'm doing when I get there. <laughs> Cut to Brad at age 80, and that was the best day of my life. <laughs> my life never got any better than this Aww. moment. Aww. Cut to your son going, even my birth? Not even close. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Go to your bed, Leonardo. <laughs> His name is Leonardo Michelangelo Donatello. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Raphael. <laughs> All the good ones N and O. Cool. Sorry. Right. Back, back to your number nine. Ryan? I mean, I'm trying to have a really serious movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while James is picking shit like Gattaca. Oh, come on. Um, this is another comedy. Um, and definitely not the comedian's best work. But there are some really great moments in this. Uh, the The supporting cast is really good. Uh, my number nine film is Beverly Hills Ninja. In the secret clan of the ninja, there is a legend that foretells a foreign child will come among them and become a ninja master unlike the world has ever seen. They believed this was the child. They were wrong. Now, Hello? a mysterious stranger needs his help. I must go to the hills of Beverly, find Sally Jones and save her. Goodbye, everyone! They're going with him. No, please. Anything but that. <laughs> he must return to the land of his birth. What are you doing here? I have come many miles and now travel disguised as a pimp to help you. And use the ancient teachings of the ninja. You're a ninja? You know, I took a few karate lessons myself. I mean, I'm not as advanced as you. I'm what you might call a tangerine belt. To seek out the truth. I am preparing one of our greatest ninja tools, the laughing mushroom. Family is a killer. He killed her sister. <laughs> And prove to the world. I am one with the universe. I am one with the universe. No, I am not! That he is the Great White Ninja. My identity must remain secret. I cannot reveal it to you. Why not? Because I would then have to kill you. Daddy! Everybody wants TriStar Pictures presents... A film that puts the mortal back in combat. Chris Farley. I am a trained master in each of the weapons of battle. Man, that was dope! Beverly Hills Ninja. What a fool I was. Really? really? Yeah. Low for you. This I was, thought this would be higher. This is the first Chris Farley movie I ever saw on pay per view. It was the only pay per view thing my parents ever bought for me. <laughs> really? Yep. Um, yeah. It's it, there's some really great moments in this. I it, there's some because Farley is was so great uh, at physical comedy that you sometimes forgot he was also great at delivery uh, in certain moments. I what one of my favorite things he did in this film is. I think it's Nicolette Sheridan is the lady in it. I believe so, yeah. Um, and she comes. So the story is she comes to get help from 
uh, Chris Farley's ninja who ro- washes up on the shore of Japan, I guess. I don't know. They don't really say China, whatever, um, where they all speak English. Um, anyways, he washes up on the shore and she comes to get help from the ninjas and all the other ninjas are on like a secret ninja mission and he's left behind and he's supposed to be this prophecy of the great white ninja. And so she comes in while he's training and she's about to sit down on uh, a throwing star and he picks it up and just throws it behind him like it doesn't matter and it hits the dude like square in the chest the target and she says wow that's impressive and he turns and looks and his like shocked expression is how great Chris Farley was uh, there's also a scene where he's blindfolded and he's having him drive him around to find where the bad guy's lair is <laughs> and his like brother who plays Liu King in Mortal Kombat is he's like this isn't even close to where it's at it's great. I need to watch this movie. Um, yeah, it's it's just funny and silly. Um, and his explaining to Nicolette Sheridan what he is, he's like, oh, I'm the Great White Ninja, and I, Haru, of the Great White Ninja. Can't even finish his thoughts. Um, it was great. And I th- believe he died about three or four months after this movie came out. Yeah, because this is, this is his final completed... Or, like, it was no. this, wasn't this the second to last one? Because there was one more well, He did Almost that. Heroes. He completed Almost Heroes, and then he passed away. Okay. Um, while he was doing voice work for Shrek, ironically. Yeah. Which, um, those storyboard sessions are interesting. They are. Those yeah. voiceover, yeah. Very different take on Shrek. Yep. yep. More, of a, more of the sad clown take on Shrek. I, mean, I Yeah. And I think... Better, but could have gone either way. Yeah. I think better. Because I, I, um, I'm not a fan of the Shrek movies, so... First one's good. Doesn't doesn't hold up because there's too many references in 1999. Yeah, but and Smash Mouth. But yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Or, but no, I'm I, sorry, I, Guy Fieri as Smash Mouth, <laughs> as the guy from Insane Clown Posse, as some other guy, <laughs> whoever the lead singer of Smash Mouth is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I I just think it's a harmless movie. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a Blu-ray for it. I love the poster. Oh yeah, the poster's it's, brilliant. That's, um, that's... Chris Rock's in it, and it's he takes. Uh, he wants to be a ninja like Chris Farley, so they kind of pals around with him. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, if you want to watch it. <laughs> There's a funny scene where Chris Farley hides behind this post, and you can't see him, and he steps out. And, you know. So then I guess technically Beverly Hills Ninja would be the first Chris Rock movie I also saw, too, because I always thought it was down to earth, but I no, because then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's when Chris Rock was starting to blow up, too. Yeah. It's my number nine, Brad. I'm going to guess your number eight, but I'll let you say it anyways. My number eight is a movie that I have fond memories of sitting out <laughs> for the theater, <laughs> playing Star Wars cards, because we would just go next door to media play and buy them and then come back. And <laughs> My number eight is Star Wars, the special edition. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible, on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, haven't seen it at all. Now, for its 20th anniversary, the adventure of a lifetime returns to the big screen in a way you've never seen before. There'll be no one to stop us this time. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. With newly enhanced visual effects. They're coming in too fast! PHX and digital sound. And a few new surprises. Look, Jeff, next time you want to talk to me, come see me yourself. Here they come. This January. Good luck. 
George Lucas and 20th Century Fox invite you to welcome back Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Chewbacca, C-3PO, and R2-D2. Finally, the motion picture event, the way it was meant to be experienced. This will be a day long remembered. As the entire Star Wars trilogy returns. On January 31st, Star Wars. On February 21st, The Empire Strikes Back. Then on March 7th, Return of the Jedi. Move closer! For a whole new generation. You have yet to experience it on the pink screen. And for everyone else to experience it again. That boy is our last hope. No. There is another. The Star Wars Trilogy, Special Edition. See it again for the first time. The Force will be with you, always. I think Brad Bot's on a loop right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, so Star Wars: The New Hope is your favorite Star Wars film. Or is it the best of the special editions? Or no, just... no, I just put it at number eight because of... You're just going in order? Of the point, like the point of why I put them on the list. The, jo- like that the was joke the... is better if you do it back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like that's the... F- that There's more excitement for that one yeah. being the first one that they totally. released. And then This the is my two. favorite Star Wars movie. It's... Yeah, gotcha. A lot of people's favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just put it on... It's the first of the three because, yeah, like the, the anticipation for it was so... Like I had, you know, I don't think they, did they release them prior to like, did, was there never like a regular unaltered re-release? Of those? Uh, I mean, there's the, yeah, there's I the VHS so. cut. Oh, you mean in theaters? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think there might've yeah, been, but yeah. like, it's the only one that I got to see. Mm. Yeah. It's the first time I got to see Star Wars in a theater. Yeah. So. Yeah. Me too. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. I mean, actually, were... I don't sure don't mind the changes. Like I, the job of the HUD scene is a little like it, it's just a repeat of the Greedo scene, but and that model oh, is terrible. The first, the first movie is the best of the special editions, in my opinion. Yeah, like, exactly. all the changes are you, stuff oh, that you're. Well, wouldn't you say Empire though? Because they barely touched Empire. No, because um, I mean the no, stuff that they used to enhance the uh, New Hope. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, the, yeah. to emphasize the explosions more. Um, I mean the Greedo shoot thing. Greedo shoots first thing, but we can all just agree on that and move on. Um, which I didn't even notice, like, yeah, at the time, like, it didn't even occur to me that mm-hmm. that was out of order. Yeah, it's really wonky in the original version, and then like they've they've tweaked it over and over and over again. So now they shoot at the exact same time, which is just confusing. Yeah, but uh, but most of the stuff in in A New Hope is like the the big lizard dudes at the beginning yeah. or Dude or just acts. the fact that Ma, that Mos Eisley feels like more of a city like Mos Eisley in the original version feels like a set and then in the in the special editions you're like oh this is this big town like you know um which is cool but you know you get some cool shots of like x-wings moving past the camera um but there's not anything i think really terrible yeah, that the X wings over Yavin is like that's yeah. now an iconic shot, and that's not in the original movie. Yeah, so. right. Right. Yep, that's my number eight. Cool. It's a good one. Cool. Zach. All right. Uh, so my number eight is not my favorite Martin Scorsese movie, but I think it is one of his more underrated fare. My number eight is Kundun. Come on. Kundun. <laughs> is this a movie? Kundun. Kundun. 
K U N D U N. Isn't it Kundun? Kundun. Kundun. The search for the Dalai Lama's reborn spirit led to a small village in Tibet. This is mine. You say this is yours? What else belongs to you? Dalai Lama movie. <laughs> oh, that's about a Dalai. Martin Scorsese made a Dalai Lama movie. Yes, he did in 1997, and uh, it's so there. Uh, Scorsese's done three now three sp- films specifically regarding faith, spirituality, and religion. First one was Last Temptation of Christ, which is a great film. Do, do you remember Last Temptation of Christ when <laughs> when uh, you, you punched Jesus in the face? That was awesome. <laughs> Then he does Kundun, and then finally he does Silence, which came out uh, last year, and I have on my queue to watch uh, this week. Cool. Um, so Kundun tells the story of the 14th Dalai Lama and his kind of path through life and like getting ostracized through the uh, rise of con- communism in China. Um, so there's no professional actors in this film, like or like established American stars. Cool. Like there's so there's no like frame of mind going in like oh i'm gonna recognize somebody so you're completely like you're it's a it's a top-notch director working with people you've never heard of and so it it automatically puts it on a more level playing field than other films sometimes because Mm -hmm. you have the expectation of a star here you just have people presented and it's like okay well they can either be decent or they can be amazing yeah um because you got to give them an a for effort to some degree yeah um it's beautifully shot um I, and the score is great. Um I think it's I think it's a film that 
Scorsese is like it's 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 where he's trying to like move away from the the gangster mold, um, and he's doing a pretty good job of it until bringing out the dead, and then he kind of falls back into it with Gangs in New York. But there's this period where Scorsese was actually doing some really interesting stuff in the 90s. Cool. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Kundun, Kundun, Dalai Lama, Electric Boogaloo, I would totally check it out. Yeah, I, I would totally go look at this because yeah. yeah, this this looks like the Scorsese I like. Yeah. So you'd also like Last Temptation of Christ, but that's a different discussion. Right. Yeah. So yeah, because would I? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, cool. I used to believe in love. Now I believe in this. <laughs> James. Uh, <laughs> shit. Uh, great line okay. for them. My number eight is, uh, depending on how you feel about Die Hard 2, it is the fourth or fifth best Die Hard movie of all time. Uh, my number eight is The Fifth Element. this year that's, must have just, it did come just out just must have breezed year. over because that movie sucks uh, no <laughs> this movie is really fun and weird and one of those that like I've probably watched James so far I'm pretty disappointed in your list dozens <laughs> of times um, it's pretty great like it's a fun weird you know Luke Besson movie that is just worth looking at even though you watch it and you're like, what the fuck is most of this shit? <laughs> Ain't none of this makes any goddamn sense. Why does that blue lady have rocks in her stomach? I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's I got some cool stuff. I do know this is the and first time I saw Mila Hovavich's boobs. So oh, there you go. And your world changed forever. Uh, it's got Chris Tucker with some hair. And uh, Gary Oldman's in there chewing scenery with a weird plastic thing on his head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. There's some there's some big lizard guys and got, and so what's Bruce Willis it, what, what's has to shoot again? him in the face. It's got old Bill oh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I remember. I don't. Uh, there's a giant evil planet and it's coming to kill you unless you can Wait, put. What's the fifth element? Oh, boron. love. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It's boron. Because <laughs> I remember the marketing leading up to it being like they made a movie about boron <laughs> and then being disappointed that like oh it's love okay <laughs> that makes sense. How deep uh, is your love? So like yeah. many Luke Besson things, it has no point. Yeah, okay. no, it's got like fucking flying cars and shit, and 
and an Asian man in a ramen cart that flies. Like I said, um, it has no point. Yeah, it's, it's like just there. <laughs> it's like if a twelve-year-old drew Blade Runner. Like <laughs> it's it's not That's a pretty great statue on the back of the DVD. Yeah. It's, it is it is interesting to look at. We need to make a page of. Like DVD boxes with our <laughs> quotes <laughs> photoshopped into them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's a it is a fun movie that if it was when I was fifteen or fourteen and this movie was on TV, I was going to leave it on until it was over, and that would be cool. Like, yeah, it's got those big like round robot alien dudes with the tiny little heads, mm-hmm. and they move very slow. Oh, the Koopas. Yeah, yeah, the big. The big robotic Koopa guys who get squished inside of a door because they can't walk faster, but they're super advanced. It doesn't make any sense. I like this film in as much as it's a good distraction when I'm working on something else. Yeah. That's about as far as I go with it. Like I said, it is maybe better than Die Hard 2, definitely better than Die Hard 5. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I will concede that. Yeah. Cool. That's my number eight. Uh, Finally, a good movie's coming up. Oh, right. Uh, I've... Fine. Time to dabble in some horror, guys. We've had enough of this fluffy bullshit. Oh, great. I'm going to leave. Um, my number eight is a film that, I mean, whoa. It's, uh, it's called uh, The Devil's Advocate. A young attorney has the chance of a lifetime. Bill Chadwick Waters. We want you to come to New York. All expenses, first class, travel, and lodging. You and your wife. Oh, my God. He will enter a place of wealth and ambition. We've got 40 partners vested at the moment. In addition to our corporate clients, we're currently representing about 25 foreign countries. He's got you scheduled for 15 minutes, so make the most of it. John Milton. Kevin Lomax. Well, what's that like? One day you're putting them away, next day you're setting them free. Takes a little getting used to. Pays better, though, doesn't it? Welcome to Babylon, Ma. Speak of the devil! A world of power and seduction. Who's that with the senator? Controlled by one man. I swear he can hear us. Hell, he can smell us. He will make your dreams come true. Want to come upstairs and... Now? He will grant your fondest wish. I'm just warming my hands on your talent. You know what I see? I see the future of this law firm. He knows your greatest fear. Milton is into everything. Arms brokering, chemical weapons, toxic waste, money laundering for the Eastern Bloc. I mean, it goes on and on. I don't like it here, Kevin. And he knows the price of your soul. Let's make a play. Who are you? Oh, I have so many names. I'm here on the ground with my nose in it since the whole thing began. God likes to watch. He's an absentee landlord. Keanu Reeves. He's always been there. I know that now. Al Pacino. As God sleeps late. We will win. It's my time now. (laughs) The Devil's Advocate. I see what you did there. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> in it, Keanu Reeves plays a lawyer, and he gets his big break where Al Pacino is the boss of another law firm. But is he doing? Is he losing his soul? What's going on? Is he? Is the devil around? Al Pacino's the devil. You don't know that, okay? 
You're going to burn in hell. <laughs> oh, um, you were so serious. You don't know that. So I, so I haven't seen this film ever. No. Because I keep spoilers. looking at the RT rating and I'm like, what am I going to get into here? <laughs> it's Because it's like divided. Like it's polarized. Oh, yeah. It's very polarized. I like it because it's so... I don't know the right word. I don't know how to describe this film. Oh. I just know that it like... James was saying how the fifth element impacted him. This movie impacted me in a way that, like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> the acting is really great, and there's a great scene at the end between Keanu and uh, Pacino where he's explaining Pacino. what's happening. Uh, and you can either believe what's happening or you can't, or you don't have to. I think it's Taylor Hackford, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's it's well made. Uh it's a horror film. It's, there's some gory moments in it. It's more of a paranoia, though. It's like The Firm if The Firm was supernatural. <laughs> um, it's, it's like The Firm if it was End of Days. Yeah, yes. right. We definitely need a page of DVD covers. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's just a movie I've always liked. I, I, Al Pacino is super over the top, but I think the, the role he's playing calls for it. Uh, Keanu Reeves is good in films when he's also kind of subdued. I've always said I think he's great in The Gift, which is an old Sam Raimi film. Uh, and he's really good in this, too, where he's... Cause, you know, everyone knows him, whether it's uh, The Matrix or now John Wick. And as a stoic, you know, I'm going to just say, yeah, I'm back. But if he's kind of uh, toned down, he's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would definitely seek out Devil's Advocate. He's pretty good in it. It's a really early Charlie Theron film, too. Um, she plays his wife. And she's kind of uh, tormented because they go from I forget the state they go, but somewhere in the south up to uh, New York. And it is just like the firm, but with a devil in it. Yeah, it really is. It's like the firm, but the ninth gate. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, yeah. So my number eight film is The Devil's Advocate. Brad, (laughs) that's my Pacino. Oh, Pacino. (laughs) Pacino, I'm sorry. Number seven. Seven, huh? All right, my number seven uh, means a lot to me because I would hang out with my friends in front of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> no, my number seven is uh, kind of important because it has shaped the past couple years of my life in a way. My number seven is Double Team. Let him in, Bravo. He's the nation's top counter-terrorist. Gentlemen, you're good to go. But on his final mission... Negative. It's not him. He missed the target. <laughs> Now, there's only one man who can put him back in the game. Whoa, I bet that hurt. That hurt. I need merchandise. The best. Sorry, I'm closer tonight. You're up and now. A world-class arms dealer. Did you open that? Yeah. With a flair for destruction. I don't know, man. I'll look at you. I see nothing but trouble. What the hell? I kind of like trouble. Their styles are different. Very different. Offense gets the glory. But defense wins the game. But against an international conspiracy. I need a partner. I'm the man, baby. They'll be at each other's side. Yes! And in each other's face. It's me. Jack's coming. Take care of business. They have no idea what they're up against. Can you fly a plane? Like a bird. 
Does your hair change color when you sweat? Airball. You need practice, man. I'll never miss twice, brother. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Dennis Rodman. This spring, they don't play by the rules. Sorry. Double team. Who does your hair? Siegfried or Roy? No hair jokes today, okay? Starring Dennis Rodman. <laughs> yeah, it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, which is heavily referenced in Jean-Claude Van Damme's Damn Van. Um, I don't think I actually wrote it having seen the movie prior <laughs> to. And uh, yeah, that movie's ridiculous. It is. And probably deserves to be lower, but... It's <laughs> <laughs> your opinion. Yeah, Wizzy, you just went double team over Star Wars. <laughs> I know. Well, that's because um, when I was going through my list like five minutes ago, this spot was held by LA Confidential. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> but I'd already said the 10th one, so I couldn't move double team up to 10. So <laughs> it's now seven. See, that's what people don't know about Film Explosion is it's fluid. Yeah. It's fluid. It's you never know when they're going to change. Yeah. Unless Brad makes the DVD. Here, <laughs> yeah. here in a minute, I might remember how much I love Amistad and make some changes. <laughs> oh, here it comes. But yeah, double team. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme teams up. Well, barely teams up with Dennis Rodman. Um, but they fight a tiger at the end, and uh, Mickey Rourke is the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a shootout at a carnival. A bunch of civilians die. Uh, babies are threatened. Um, he gets sent away to like... Oh, Paul Freeman's in it, too. Belloc. He's like oh, the leader yeah. of the secret spy agency. And so once you're retired, they call him Belosh. All the super international spies just get to hang out on this island and they can never be heard from again. But Jean Claude Van Damme, and there's a laser, underwater laser fence, so you can't like swim away. <laughs> so once he gets all his strength back, you know, he finds a way to defeat the laser fence. <laughs> Spoiler alert. And then goes to fight Mickey Rourke, who's pissed off because his own child was killed in a raid on his compound the beginning of the end for van damme because revenge. they decided to do a marketing ploy i think <laughs> dennis rodman i was gonna oh, say yeah. i think we should point out that this isn't just any dennis rodman this is height of dennis rodman like like you know ooze green hair the, bad yeah. boys the, the most 90s dennis rodman he could be um and he's in there solely to like point out oh isn't aren't these things weird about me <laughs> and now you're watching yeah. like whatever yeah <laughs> what movies did he make van damme make after this is ruin his career no nah, i mean he was pretty like after street fighter i think <laughs> was, was street fighter this after this the, no this is before street fighter is 94 mm. but like i'm trying to think i think it was street fighter like knockoff like he's teamed up with rob schneider for like the second time actually i think um so there's knockoff and making punches, <laughs> uh, replicant, the kickboxer vengeance. There was another Universal Soldier movie, oh. The Return. That one's pretty bad. Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, I think Street Fighter was like the peak, and then oh, the, he did the Quest at, like mm-hmm. before this. So he, he tried to direct, and that didn't work out. So he's great. great in Expendables too. Yeah. I mean, he's had since he did that Legionnaire. JCVD in 2008. Like he's done some great stuff. The Order. He should do more comedy. Like he's really, yeah. really good at comedy, and he doesn't really get a chance to do that. Like he's just pigeonholed as the action guy. Yeah. So, but yeah, Double yeah. Team. If you're looking for like a hilarious B movie, huh. this is it. I Mickey Rourke hams it up 
as of well. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just learned that Paul Freeman was Ivan Ooze in the Power Rangers movie. I said this so many times. Really? Yeah. Oh, I guess I've never realized it or listened to you. <laughs> <laughs> You should listen to me more often, James. You'll find out things. <laughs> Zach? Number seven? Yeah. All right. Don't worry, James, about not listening to Brad. It's not your fault. Oh, okay. It's not your fault. Oh. It's not your fault. Not not no, it's not, not your fault. I wonder what Zach's next movie is. My number seven is Goodwill Hunting. I thought it was going to be the game. Nope. On the campus of one of America's leading universities. There is a problem on the main hallway chalkboard. My colleagues and I have more than two years to prove. I'm hoping that one of you might prove it by the end of the semester. The most gifted mind to ever enter its classrooms. This is correct. Who did this? Is the person who cleans its floors. Well, I just need the name of this guy who works in my building. Got this job through his PO, you can call him. PO? Parole officer. Meet Will Hunting. I've been looking over this rap sheet of yours. Assault, theft, resisting. I've spoken to the judge, and he's agreed to release you under my supervision. Really? But you have to meet with a therapist every week. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> For the first time in his life, he's about to meet his match. How many shrinks you go to before me? Five. This boy's genius is unparalleled. I need someone who can get through to him. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. I went on a date last week. Going out again? I don't know. This girl's like, you know, beautiful. She's smart. She's fun. She's like perfect right now. I don't want to ruin that. Maybe you're perfect right now. Maybe you don't want to ruin that. Have you talked to him at all about his future? Give him time to figure out what he wants. This boy has that gift. Can you imagine if Einstein would have given that up just to get drunk with his buddies every night? Some people can never believe in themselves. I can't learn anything from you unless you want to talk about you. Until someone believes in them. You can do anything you want. You are bound by nothing. You're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. I'd do anything to have what you got. And some never know how much they can have. I love you. Until they discover how much they can give. Academy Award winner Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Stellan Skarsgård, and Minnie Driver. Goodwill Hunting, nominated for nine Academy Awards. How do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> Applesauce, bitch. No, that's Jay's Sullivan Strike Back. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So I need to watch Good Will Hunting until after Jan Bob Strike Back. <laughs> so that scene was totally lost on me until I saw Good Will Hunting. Um, I, I think it's a really, I, I think it still holds up as a very solid like drama piece. Like it's very well written. Obviously, like it's what they got their first Oscar for, for heck's sake. Well, Damon's only Oscar. First? Actually. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, because Damon's only gotten one, but Affleck's got two. Um, uh, Gus Van Sant directs the film beautifully. Um, it's my favorite Robin Williams movie. Hmm. Um, I just love the the way his character um, co- comes off in the film. Um, it's I, I there's so many other Ben Affleck films that I like for other reasons, but this might be the best performance he's given mm-hmm. in a movie. Um, uh, one of the best. Like there is another one this year that has the contention for it too. Um, 
I will put it this way: probably his best supporting performance because he's done those before too. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the <coughs> scene with uh, them outside of the um, wreckage yard and him telling him like, if you if you don't go for it, you're just being fucking stupid, and I want to I, I want to wake up, I want to walk up to your house one day, knock on the door, and then find out that you're not there. Like, I just I, it's a great scene, and then when it happens, it's it's effective. It's great screenwriting for that very reason. Um, and some of the behind-the-scenes stories of Goodwill Hunting are also kind of like motivate the the placement for the film at, on this list because it's like like the the scene like the whole story about like how they inserted a gay sex scene into the script just to see if executives were actually reading the script or not. Mm-hmm. And then they got a call from the Weinstein company and said like, "Yeah, we love the script, but we may want to remove that gay sex scene." <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, that uh, <laughs> we just put that in there to see if you guys were reading." <laughs> <laughs> so uh and also uh co-executive producers kevin smith and scott Mosier, you know yep. but they didn't get thanked at the oscars guys and kevin chastised ben for it on the set of dogma that very year yeah 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 i like i like goodwill hunting too more <laughs> <laughs> true artist gus but you're no longer <laughs> the young hotshot. <laughs> yeah that's a good one all right it's cool. really good yeah yeah no, it is a great movie yeah yeah James? Uh, my number seven is going to be a movie that makes Ryan hit me. Uh, Hard? Probably, yeah. Hold on. I'm cool. Gonna, I'm going <laughs> to Snapchat. Film it. Uh, my number seven. Hashtag teacher fight. <laughs> is The Lost World Jurassic Park. Mommy! Daddy! I found something! A British family on a yacht cruise stumbled upon Site B. <laughs> Now it's only a matter of time before this lost world is found and pillaged. Hopefully we've kept this island quarantined and contained, but I'm in shock about all this. Wow. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. How was that? Go. As fast as you can. I need you to send rescue immediately. Taking dinosaurs off this island is the worst idea in history of bad ideas. Let's get this movable beast on the way. Don't move! What is it? Mommy's very angry. I can't believe you put this on your list. Dude, this movie's fucking good. I know. I, I, I love so this movie. I so thoroughly love... Oh, I thought for sure you were going to be like, really, James? Really? No, I love this movie. Um, it's it not is, on my list, but I love it. It's the second best Jurassic Park movie. Um, it is so much fun. Um, there are parts of it that I think are actually like better action scenes than some of the stuff that's in one. I, I think um, the T-Rex rampage through San Diego is amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think when the T-Rex is, is in daylight chasing them across the Island, like the, oh, the, yeah. the waterfall sequence, um, oh, is yeah. awesome. I mean, it's, 
yeah, it's it's really great action Steven Spielberg. Um and I think it's also him just intentionally having a lot of fun. Um this is I, I think at this per- point it's for sure that I'm not going to put Amistad on my list and it's only because it's been a long time since I watched it and so I don't remember how much I love yeah, it. Jurassic but, Park's Lost World is way better. Well, but it's, you know, he's coming off of like, he keeps, <laughs> this was a time where he was going back and forth between making like super depressing sad movies and then making like fucking dinosaur movies. Doesn't Amistad have McConaughey in it though? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, <laughs> Could see? this be the year where see? it doesn't happen? It's unbiased. <laughs> I'm unbiased. I, uh, I think Jeff Goldblum is great in this movie. So One great. of my favorites, I, I put it up on our Twitter feed, is, oh, yeah, ooh, ah, next is the, is it the running and the, and the screaming oh, is, so is so well done. That whole sequence where he's walking around and like uh, and basically warning everybody mm-hmm. at the beginning, and the, or uh, Eddie Carr shows him the high high, and he's like, no, that, you, that you're going to put him at a very convenient biting height. <laughs> yeah. Like, everyone is, he's running around telling everybody, like, you guys don't understand. They're fucking monsters. And that character We're going too, to Monster Island. I remember that, uh, you know, he tried so hard to save them. And I, I remember the wind taken out of everybody when he gets eaten by the uh, T-Rex. Yes. <laughs> and that sequence is one of the coolest sequences he's ever shot. The truck sequence is so awesome. Every little element of pushing the truck off of the off of the cliff, all of the tension of like the the T-Rex is you know coming up next to the truck oh, and, yeah. and the glass. And the, the tension, yeah, the glass sequence is great. Vince Vaughn is amazing in that movie. Like he's so much fun even though he's got he's got a couple of kind of corny lines that are, yeah, you know, cuz he ends up being like the the saboteur, but whatever, it's okay. You end up getting to watch a triceratops run through a camp. Like yeah. it's really cool. That scene where his daughter does the gymnastics okay. with the raptors. So is there's pretty good. one Yeah, she's very good at gymnastics. There's one part of this movie that sucks. <laughs> hey, she flunked out of the team. Way to go. Way to- <laughs> Why don't you tell your dad anything ever? Why are you the worst character? Oh my goodness. She's terrible. Um, there's parts of, but the of scene it before like that her. though is awesome when they're through the, going through the grass. Oh yeah. It's great. Oh man. I mean, even the, even the scenes where they're fighting, like go watch the rest of that sequence with the T-Rexes or with the, with the Raptors where she kicks them. Right. Like when he's running into the car and then it tries to break into the car and then he runs out and runs around the other, like all of that stuff is great. The only part, part that's oh, yeah. really I shitty mean, is that she's able to like swing kick a raptor to death and you're like, oh, come on. I mean, there's, I didn't but need there's that. great comedy where he runs into the gas station and shuts the door and then the raptor jumps through it and he <sighs> runs back out through the door, yes. through the window. It's stuff like that. Uh, He's great at staging action. Yeah. I mean, the movie is incredibly fun and great. Yeah, I love that movie. Um yeah, I and and as I have said many times, it has the second greatest smash cut of all time. That shot of the woman screaming at the beginning to him yawning is so brilliant um because dinosaurs are boring now. So, oh man, it's so good. It's so good. Lost World. I'm going to go watch this movie when we're like of everything on this list. This is the thing I'm probably going to want to go watch when we're done. I think in in your diatribe, you mentioned that great smash cut at the beginning. I did. You did good. Yeah. Yes. It's a really good smash cut. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> literally the thing like I just said. Ago. You're not listening. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, all I hear out of his mouth is Spielberg, Spielberg, Spielberg. The, the last thing I said was, <laughs> dude, that smash cut, though. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so good. Not that smash mouth. That smash cut. No. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So James... It's somewhat a sci-fi horror movie blend. Sci-fi horror okay. adventure. All right. Um, I'm going to go back to horror. Uh, this is a block. 
this is a blockbuster favorite of mine. Uh, in, in the heyday of blockbuster in 1997, they would release horror films with really cool box art. And this one stood out because the effects were really cheesy, but cheesy in like a really great B movie way. Uh, my number seven is not the Michael Keaton Jack Frost. It's the serial killer, Jack Frost. Yes. One cold night, science and evil collide. Oh, yeah. Now, a serial killer is on the loose. We hadn't even tested the acid on an amoeba, let alone a human cell. This is a disaster. Look, I just saw something that doesn't belong in this world, and it's out there killing my friends. Now tell me what it is. Jack Frost. I think Jack's about to make an entrance. And he's giving cold-blooded a whole new meaning. Hey, Jack! What? up the 7-10 split. Hell has just frozen over. Blow me. Jack Frost. See, James worked at Blockbuster, so he knows exactly what I'm talking about Hell with the cover. Yeah. I saw this all the time while I'm through Blockbuster. Yeah, it's yeah. uh so th- the movie is stupid. It's <laughs> it's about a Oh, this is the one where the snowman totally like rapes and murders uh what's Shannon Elizabeth. Yeah. Um oh, when I worked at a uh, Hollywood video, someone put the horror version in the that's awesome that's awesome in the case for the no that's great and because hollywood so video bad. they had the actual like box art instead of like the yeah. blockbuster yeah yeah they had the squeezy boxes the squeeze box yeah. with the actual box art so no one noticed except for me and i left it oh. nice <laughs> thank you brad i ended this uh convicted probably uh, uh probably serial killer as on his way to be executed in a snowstorm late at night <laughs> and <laughs> while he's doing it his truck <laughs> collides with a liquid nitrogen truck and the snow, and so he mutates into a snowman. Uh, but the snowman can also, like, unfreeze himself and then, like, come back together. So basically, he's able to, like, morph through doorways, and he can make uh, icicles shoot out of his hands that become weapons. He's like the same man, but with snow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, and, the, like, the it's so ridiculous because this movie has, like, no budget, obviously. And if you get the Vinegar Syndrome special edition blu-ray you really should because they have the director do a commentary on it and he's really funny he said mm. yeah i don't have any money we're shooting up here and you notice it's supposed to be snowing but we only have one patch where there's snow and the rest of it's like sunny and bright it's so funny it's like i didn't have any money and the snowman looks ridiculous and uh when he kills shannon elizabeth he says christmas came early oh <laughs> man um my favorite one is uh Shannon Elizabeth's boyfriend's downstairs, and this is before he gets Shannon Elizabeth, but 
he hears something outside and he opens the door. He's like, who's there? And then you see this like foam snowman hand punch him. And he comes in the door and he says, it's not fucking frosty. And then <laughs> shoots icicles at him and kills him. Is he trying to kill specific people or he's, he's just uh, a serial killer? Well, in this, is, he he's, like he's going revenge? back. Re- he's getting revenge against the sheriff that locked him up. Oh, okay. So he lives in this small town called Snowminton. No, he's, no he doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> and, no, he doesn't. No, fuck off. Yeah. Oh. And... Uh, and the sheriff there happens to stumble on him when his car is broken down and arrests him, and he's a serial killer. That's just stupid. Who's named Jack Frost, and um, he's, he's killed with antifreeze. Fuck off. Oh, my gosh. No. Yep. No. In a weird way, this is the perfect movie. <laughs> well, if you look at it through a, for see, a, through a certain lens. <laughs> yeah, but see, it's so... It knows it's he's, shit. He's yeah. killed by a nice sunny day. And, there, I mean, there's, like, funny things where he gets hit by a car... And he goes into like three balls and he's like, I can see my house from here. <laughs> it's stupid, but it's funny. That's funny. Oh my um, so I recommend everybody see it because it's, <laughs> it's so insane, but it's, it's a B movie. Like, don't get, don't misconstrued what I'm saying here. It's not like, you know, it's not lost world quality. Um, but to me, it's like super entertaining and it's just so over the top and dudes who knew exactly what they were making and were like, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? It's literally a snowman. Would you say that most of the budget went into the cover art? Yes. The cover <laughs> art and trying to make the snowman. Actually, the gore effects are pretty good in it. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't believe that movie's on Blu-ray. I can't believe it was given like a collector's edition release. Oh, does the collector's edition come with a holographic? cover? No, uh, oh, man. Cause that was the cool thing. Yeah. About it. it has a recommissioned art. And the it's reversible, and so the the front is like the evil, like monster-looking snowman. Yeah, and it doesn't look as cool. But if you reverse it, it's like hit him with his mouth closed, and actually looks pretty cool. Oh, okay. So I go with a reversed one. Because huh. yeah, that was what was neat about it was like it it looked like a oh I'm a I'm a, I'm a fun Michael yeah. Keaton yeah. snowman movie devil, and then he's like I'm the fucking devil snow. Yep. So yeah, Jack Frost. Real Nerds presents the Devil Snow. Devil Snow. <laughs> Cool. Brad? Round number six. Number six. All right. My number six has a giant lizard going on a rampage through the city, <gasps> and then they have to send a team after after it to stop it. That's not what happens in my the Lost World. My number six is Godzilla, the Lost World, Jurassic <laughs> Park. <laughs> Our first repeat. Awesome. So, yeah. That's a good one. Godzilla was from this year, right? No, I think it was 98. It was 98. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still good. Close. Yeah. No, but I remember, yeah, watching Godzilla and like, didn't they just do this like a couple months ago? And it was great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, I remember like not liking The Lost World that much when it came out because um, it was kind of darker and mm-hmm. a little bit of a rehash of like the same like, oh, yeah, th- there's another island with dinosaurs on it. Are you kidding me? Um, and it's a shame they cut out that first scene where InGen is talking about going to isla yeah whatever not nublar but isla sorna sorna yeah um like that would have been great in the theatrical release like because it totally clears up some things on like why they're there in the first place right um so but yeah in subsequent viewings especially you know when there's movies like jurassic world out there uh you appreciate this one more yeah it's really good yeah that whole open that whole sequence where we didn't even talk about it on mine but the whole sequence where the where InGen gets to the island and they're like 
stamp you know there's this like chase sequence where they're trying to capture all these dinosaurs right away um it's so cool um it's neat partially because you know in the first movie you have just people who can't control the the dinosaurs and here you have this sort of sense of like oh shit like these guys kind of have their shit together and they they got some people who kind of know what they're doing and you know and then of course it all goes goes wrong but um yeah it's great Cool. Zach, number six. Uh, my number six is a film that I've had to rewatch multiple times in order to fully grasp what was going on. And then last year when I rewatched it again for the umpteenth time, I kind of finally hit upon what the film is uh, going for. Uh, my number six film is The Game. What do you get for the man who has everything? Everything. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you, Maggie. I don't like her. So it brings you to town, Conrad. Everything all right? October 12th. Mickey's birthday. This is for you. Consumer Recreation Services. Call that number. Why? They make your life fun. What are you selling? It's a game. A game. Specifically tailored for each participant. John, chapter 9, verse 25. Whereas once I was blind, now I can see. Now I can see. One day your game begins. You either love it or hate it. Are you going to spend the rest of the evening prying at that clown's mouth? Mr. Van Orton, is everything all right? Ah, Mr. Van Orton. Have we met? I believe so. Why are you following me? Find out about a company called Consumer Recreation Services. They won't stop, Nick. He's in on it. I paid the bill. I paid him more to make it stop. I need the police. who's gonna break into my house. I need voices from a bunch of depraved children. They're trying to kill me. Who's behind this? Who did this to me? Why? This is all the game. Ah! Right now, I am extremely dangerous. You're behind the whole thing, aren't you? No! They make your life fun. So is mine. So is mine. Right. Oh, <laughs> All right. That's never happened. That's before. the first try for You have gained one new life. Um, <laughs> so uh, the game uh, directed by David Fincher. This is his third film because, well, technically his third film. We can always pretend it's his second film. <laughs> um, but it's got Michael Douglas, Sean Penn in it, and uh, Michael Douglas plays a uh, a guy who's kind of isolated himself from his family. Essentially, like he's. Very, like, alone. And his estranged brother gives him a gift for his birthday, and the gift is a voucher for a game to play, like an, an ultimately immersive, life-changing life game. And the film proceeds to be a series of 
I'd call them after hours type uh, events throughout his life that kind of like bring him out of his shell in a weird way. And I won't spoil the twist because that's very that's when you watch it and you see the twist and like at the very end you'll you'll understand what the movie is saying about like getting out of your shell and kind of ice, what isolation can do to you in a weird way. Um, and it's also like scary. <laughs> it's like it's it's got its own like little twisted kind of scary vibe. So um, it's I think it's among Fincher's more challenging films. Um, so I think Michael Douglas has a really cool voice, <laughs> <laughs> and he's a great actor too. Yeah, but it, yeah, this movie's awesome. It's it's kind of I mean it, the movie itself feels like a game where it you're, yeah. it's yeah. turning here, it's turning there. It's um, uh, the Criterion. I love the Criterion cover where it's like the silhouette follow falling, and then the game is kind of uh, oh yes. looks like a building. It's great, yeah. and I mean I own it, and the Criterion's great if you uh, ever have. Well, I should preface this by saying I only get Criterions when they're half off at Barnes and Noble, so I pay like fifteen bucks for them because mm-hmm. normally they're really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's it's a great film, and David Fincher is is such a meticulous filmmaker that I love how he puts stuff in the frame, how his cuts work, mm-hmm. uh, and this is where he's starting to really kind of get I think the David Fincher. Yeah, look and the feel of how he wants his movies to be after this, right? Because seven seven's the launching pad, but it does, but it still feels mixed with other. Things. I agree. Well, yeah. and and that movie is like the style of seven is there because of the the subject matter as well. Whereas the the tension, the this is the first movie where he's really shooting like somebody in an office. And it feels like Fincher some, you know, mm-hmm. like which I guess of the those three Green. movies, it's the first time anybody Fincher Green. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I I love the game, and the reason it's at number six is because it's way better than the Spanish Prisoner. Like everything <laughs> that the Spanish Prisoner is doing, as far as like keeping you on your toes and putting you in this weird nest of like questions and never letting you really understand what the rules are until the end. Uh, I mean, this movie actually does really, really well. That's on the poster um, for the game. Who's <laughs> way better than the Spanish? Prisoner. Way better than the Spanish Prisoner. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's a really cool movie. It's a hard movie to talk about if people haven't seen it because you don't want to spoil yeah. what's right. happening in it. Yeah. <laughs> Just know it's well shot. The acting is incredible, and it's um, it's full of tension and yeah. it's, it's pretty got a great. cool. It's got a cool mystery for you to yeah. try to figure out. You know? I will only say this about the ending: I thought it was dumb the first time I saw it, and then as I kept watching it, I understood why it worked. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Brad. All the way back to you for number five. We're on number five already. This is this is good. Yeah. We're speeding through this. Um, my number five is the game. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Brad, you are funny this week. This is great. Uh, it's because I've been working so hard. I just need an outlet right now. Uh, Be sure to tip your waitresses, eh? <laughs> no, my number five is uh, a movie based on a TV show that I loved a lot um, growing up, and uh, this year they released a movie version of it, and wasn't the best iteration of this property <laughs> but uh it, it still means a lot so my number five is bean in england he is a national treasure in australia he is a beloved icon in our small island in the pacific he is worshipped as a god And this fall, he's coming to America. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Mr. Bean. Bean? I can't say I've heard of him. They say he's a man who's incontrovertible genius dwarfs our own meager talent. <laughs> now, the safety of a $50 million masterpiece... Whistler's mother is returning at last to America. ...is in the caring hands of one man. <laughs> of the most intelligent people you've ever met, well, at number one with a bullet is Dr. Bean. His style is unique. He's a genius, huh? Well, he looks like a fruitcake to me. His talent is legendary. I appreciate that on first viewing, he seems a little eccentric. <laughs> His technique is astonishing. You know, maybe I should just go in and help, oh, Dr. No. <laughs> Sylvia, no, the uh, doctor is in complete control of the situation. And he's got something to say to all of us. <laughs> Are you presently on any kind of medication? Not that I know of. <laughs> well, you can certainly use some. Gramercy Pictures presents... Brace yourself. Where's the picture going? Oh, jeez! Oh, God! Oh, God! Rowan Atkinson. The new face of comedy. Now listen, I am begging you, behave rationally today. So yeah, I I like the Mr. Bean show. Seeing watching on PBS is a I don't know, not a kid, but like a teenager, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, loved it, and then yeah, got excited when the movie came out, and then the movie came out, and it's like more about Los Angeles than, and like, uh, what's his name's the guy who's like the, the half villain in Ghostbusters two. He's also in Twenty Four. Damn it, Kiefer Sutherland. No, damn. So like. <laughs> He's like an advisor to the president in, in like two remember. or three seasons of 24. Anyway, you know, he's always looking at the the painting and going, Vigo! <laughs> yeah. In Ghostbusters 2, that guy. Yeah. Anyway, so like it's more about him like trying to... Like Bean seems like a, a secondary character in his own movie where... Um, I forget what he's there for. I think he's like there to like look at some paintings. Peter McAnall. Peter, yeah, Peter McNich- McNichol. McNichol. Um, and Mc- so he he comes to America. I think yeah, because he's, he's trying to go like see like this exclusive art ex- expedition. Um, but he shacks up with his family uh, for his you know for the weekend or the trip or whatever. I haven't seen it in a while. But Peter McNichol's like family's falling apart, and so the stuff Bean is doing and all this crazy backwards British stuff um, is like somehow bringing the family closer together. <laughs> um, so not like not. Not really. It's like the Americanized version of Bean. Uh, so when you know, ten years later, Mr. Bean's Holiday comes out. It's way closer to the spirit of the original show, and so uh, that's like if you're gonna watch a Mr. Bean movie, that's the one to to see. But uh, yeah, I like Mr. Bean. So number five, Bean. Zach, hmm. Brad, you know what the difference is between your number five and my number five? Mine's great, and yours. I isn't. make mine look good. <laughs> My number five is Men in Black. 
We work for a highly funded yet unofficial government agency. We'll take it from here. Who the hell are you? INS Division 6. There is no Division 6. Our mission is to monitor extraterrestrial activity on Earth. You're all here because you're the best of the best, and we're looking for one of you. Hey! What's up? I'm gonna get some coffee. You want some coffee? No, thank you. I'm fine. Hey, you guys get along all right? Yeah. All right, I'm in. From now on, you will have no identifying marks of any kind. You are no longer part of the system. We are the men in black. You know what the difference is between you and me? I make this look good. Series 4, de-atomizer. That's what I'm talking about. Noisy cricket. I feel like I'm gonna break this damn thing. Oh, it gets better. Dad, we have a bug. Unlimited technology from the whole universe, and we cruise around in a Ford POS. Fasten your seatbelt. See, now we got to work on your people skills. Columbia Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present... I knew it. This is an alien, and you guys are from some government agency trying to keep it under wraps. No. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. I'm gonna count to three. He'll do it, Jeeves. One. I'm telling you, that man does not look stable. Two. He's always crazy. Why don't you get a massage or take a cruise? Three. Do you have any idea how much that stings? Will Smith. What the hell are you? Your world's gonna end. In a new film from the director of The Addams Family and Get Shorty. Men in Black. Protecting the Earth from the scum of the universe. You know how to use these things? No idea whatsoever. What's what's that fart noise? Because it's it's just a little too low. Okay, or a little too high. My that's like twenty seven <laughs> for me. <laughs> oh come on! Men in, really? Men only in black? the only the Titanic is lower. Men, what? In, Men in Black is an awesome. Oh, yeah, Men in Black low. is an amazing film. Awesome, the the ocean. awesome movie. Yes. So yeah. everything that follows no, this pick is something that I did not see until I was much older. Yes, Men in Black is something that I can attest to have seen in the theater. <laughs> In 97, and the only other one that's been mentioned so far would have been Lost World. Yeah. Uh, Men in Black is awesome for me. Like This has a lot to do with how I grew up and how I learned to get into sci-fi movies beyond Star Wars. Um, I love the direction of this film. Uh, it's got a very, like, it, it's got a great sense of humor for my taste. Uh, Sonnenfeld, I think he knows exactly how to, how to motivate his actors to do what he wants them to do. And you also have the natural charisma of Will Smith in this. This is this is amongst like this is like I think this is the height of Big Willie because like it starts with Independence Day. I think it shoots up with this film because yeah. then two years later it dies quickly with <laughs> a Wild Wild West. No, it's one year later. One year later was he in one year later? What do you mean? No, it was Independence Day, Men in Black, and then Wild Wild West. Wild Wild oh, West. Oh, really? Was it's only ninety eight. Yeah. Wow. It would have been ninety nine because it came out the same year as South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Good thing anyway, we have a Google machine. Exactly. Working uh, on it. While we're working on it. Um, I, uh, but, I mean, so, so as a kid. It it's 99, yeah. Yeah. As a kid. I'll find I, out for you. So you didn't do anything in summer of 98? No, you didn't. No, not. I think. Uh, hold that on. That doesn't hold seem on. right. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, hold on, we're working on it. Um, it wasn't Bagger Vance, was it? Oh, it probably was. <laughs> no, um, it had to be a blockbuster. It, it wasn't Bagger Vance, was it? <laughs> Um, so as a kid, I loved the Will Smith character. As I've gotten older, enemy of the state, and ooh, actually, yeah, huh. probably a more. See? Well, it's more. Look adult. at how look at how awesome his rise was going to be. <laughs> like, if if not for Wild Wild West, because if not for Wild Wild West, the next one after Enemy of the State would have been Bagger Vance and then Ali. Like that guy was going places, except for Wild Wild West. Um, but uh, yeah, so like, but as I've gotten older, Tommy Lee Jones in the movie is. By far my favorite character uh, in the Men in Black world. Um, I just find him really funny because it's it's a very sardonic, very like dry sense of humor. He's just very straightforward because he's a he's an agent man, like super secret, uh, super secret spy man. And um, uh, the alien creature effects by Rick Baker are awesome. Uh, they look amazing mm-hmm. to this day. Not all the CGI holds up, um, especially with uh, giant Edgar at the end. Um, yeah. I think that worm is like definitely very shiny and glossy compared to what you can get from like to com- compare it to years later when we get Men in Black three and the vi- alien effects look very good. Yeah. So um, or the visual the CGI I should say, um, and um, that soundtrack was like that was that was my life in '97. Um, was there more than one song for that? Nope, but it was one song that was great. <laughs> it was that one song. No, wait, wait, wait I, what's, what's the song? I had I had the soundtrack too, and there was a bunch of other stuff on there, but nobody really cared. There's a bunch the of other intro, stuff. There's also Danny Elfman's score. Yeah, I was gonna say the intro music from Danny Elfman is really good. Yeah, yeah, even though it is still in, within Danny Elfman. I have never been a Will Smith fan. For some reason, he's never like connected with me. Oh man, and it's not that he's not a good actor. Not does he make he doesn't. not that he doesn't make cool movies it just it's because he's black you can admit it <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. no it's oh, just i can't uh the rock i love the rock he's black um <laughs> he's trying to make ryan well, he is. <laughs> he's like uh he's half black half samoan oh you're oh okay i didn't realize that i, cool. I know I'm i just thought he was samoan <laughs> no his his dad is rocky johnson uh african-american wrestler oh okay yep uh yeah i just never i never could get into will smith i've have you seen Independence Day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do love uh, Brad's. Uh, if you look closely at uh, the film Splosion tagline, he does put Earth in it. <laughs> I know. Yes, I like that. Yeah, um, it threw me off at first because I was like, you know, that wasn't this year, right? And then I was like, oh, right, it's for Men in Black. There's yeah. like uh, they have two really like f- at the moment favorite moments from Men in Black, though. One is when uh, Tommy Lee Jones is explaining the refugee crisis of aliens. And uh, he's uh, he turns to Will Smith and goes, basically Casablanca, but without Nazis. And mm-hmm. Will Smith just goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other one is when Edgar first gets well, – after Edgar goes out, he comes back into the house after the aliens consumed wore, started wearing a skin. And he g- does the whole give me sugar and water. Sure. And then uh, and his wife goes like, Edgar, your skin is hanging off your bones. Really? And he just pulls his mask back. Is that better? Yeah. <laughs> See, I – I just love that the, does nothing for me. I love the oh, sense of I, nothing. For I remember me. it scared the shit out of me yeah. when I saw it in theater. Like, I, I I thought this movie. I thought Edgar was super gross and frightening. Yeah, and then um, he turns into I was that 10. cockroach thing, and it's the the horror's kind of gone. Yeah, but it was still even at the time. Like the CG was was okay for the time. I I think this movie's actually really tight. It it's less than ninety minutes long. Like it doesn't. No, it's about ninety minutes. The yeah. sequel is not less than ninety minutes. Yeah, no, it's like it's like eighty-eight minutes or something like that. But the um, the uh, sorry. Uh, oh, the the reason why I love this movie is I think the world is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this was one. 
I would similarly talk about Men in Black as being maybe one of the most squandered franchises I've ever seen because to me, even as good as like three is all right. Like three is, a, is, is a, as I remember, three is a, a good return movie, to form. But mm, mm, it, it is, it is, it is okay by comparison to you know, Men in Black should have been the Iron Man of its. And I'm not saying a Marvel universe, but I'm saying like they should have been able to make sequels where you've already set up this world and these characters, so now you can actually go have fun and play. And instead, they make this shit that is just so lame. Well, the, the um, second one squanders the hell out of its alien uh, characters, so much so that when they do the third one, they just completely ignore Frank the Pug and the uh, worm guys. Yeah, I mean, it, Men in Black 1, to me, set up this really neat universe that I was really interested in. I, one of my favorite scenes is is the scene when they've spent the night together and he's sitting on the bench with him and like has has basically blown Will Smith's mind with like hey the universe isn't what you think it is um and he asked that question and i mean people quote it all the time where you know he says like you know why don't you tell people people are smart and he goes no people are freaked out and insecure like a person a, a, is smart a person is smart people are people dumb, are dumb stup- stupid and insecure or whatever it is yeah. um and it's great like i i think that i think this movie was a huge amount of fun um I remember uh, some of my closest friends at the time uh, bought, like, the novelization of it, I think, before it even came out. Um, it was originally a comic book. And we sat... Yeah, th- this, was, comics, this was, yeah. This was the, like, the, the actual novelization where they put, like, photos from yeah. the movie in the middle. Um, and so we sat and would, like, just read <laughs> through it and look for the swear words, and we would laugh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I... I adore Men in Black One. I think it's a. Why don't you show them the imports, Jeeves? <laughs> right. Oh, man. Hey, Kay, how you been? <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool movie for me, and and probably the pinnacle, like, like you said, probably for me the pinnacle of Will Smith being really cool. Like once he got to be just like this powerhouse, then he's you know he's still good, but this was really like oh man, look how he, he's just so charismatic and fun. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, yeah I, I so, think it's a good choice. So anyway, woohoo, haha. James? Oh, right. Uh, my number five is Goodwill Hunting. Um, it's uh, it, it's taking the spot that might have been Amistad, if I could remember it, but again, I can't be sure. Um, so there's a caveat there, but I, I've always loved Goodwill Hunting since I've, I... Mean, I I didn't see it when it came out because I was too young, um, but I probably saw it when I was 14, 15, something like that, mm-hmm. Um and, and I always thought it was pretty good. And then as I've gotten older and have returned to it, I, I feel like every time I return to watch that movie again, I'm like, oh, man, this is actually a really solid movie. And Robin Williams is amazing in it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I have much to add, but uh, but definitely one of my favorites. So, No, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my fifth one I'll probably get made fun of. I hardly ever, ever have this type of movie on these top ten lists. Um, because I am not a romantic comedy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I like crazy, stupid love. I like I like yeah. ones like that. Um, but this one is follows all the tropes of romantic comedies. It has goofy, lame jokes, but it also stars one of my favorite people from a sitcom, which is Matthew Perry. Um, and it's also oh. a favorite one of my wife's. Uh, and uh, my number fifth film is Fools Rush In. Haha, <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> Alex Whitman. Okay, Jeff, it's a long story. Was good at being single. I'm looking for Alex. 
He just ducked out. And his life was right on track. You are taking over in Vegas. No, 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 no. Everything that's famous about Las Vegas is about leaving it. That movie, the song, even the mob left Las Vegas. It's a long way from Manhattan to Las Vegas. Ah, hot, hot, hot. But Alex was beginning to think <laughs> it was worth the trip. Hi, Miss Bell. I never did anything like that before. Going home with someone I don't know. It was just one of those spontaneous things. So, uh, how you been? Pregnant. Really? We were only together one night. Miss Bell, what can I do? There's a woman on line one. She says she's your wife. You're married? The one with the body? <laughs> the nightmare begins. So your your father, is, is he a big man or who is this? Mama, Papa, this is Alex Whitman. I welcome you in my home. Now this is how you repay me? Stealing my only daughter! In-laws. No. Alex, this is Chewy. Chewy, hi. Luke Skywalker, how are you? He's getting a little more than he bargained for. I can't believe this is the same house. Jeez. Alex is alone with your brothers. And a lot more. Snakes. Than he imagined. Lucy, you got some explaining, you. I better light another candle. I'm telling you, everything's gonna be okay. Columbia Pictures presents... Surprise! Mom, dead. I got it, huh? A story about the sparks that fly. Now that is what I call a housekeeper. When two worlds collide. In case you haven't noticed, the white people are melting out here. And two people come together. Isabel Fuentes, I am in love with you. Matthew Perry. You are everything I never knew I always wanted. Salma Hayek. I think this is so romantic. You do? Absolutely. Fools rush in. And you're stupid. Yep. I've never uh, seen no, this one. No, this is a great one. No, it's a really cute film. It's uh, Matthew Perry meets Selma Hayek, and they just fall in love. It's it's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 just a cute movie. Um, it's one that it's it's really tight though for like a romantic comedy. It moves really quickly. It has all the tropes. Is like you know they get together under silly circumstances and they break up and how they get back together and uh, there's a uh a, a scene in the pouring rain on the hoover dam and it's got a good title yeah and it's, it's just a, a cute movie it's not it, yeah i can't say much about it except it's cute and i i've always i actually really like this era of Matthew Perry a lot. Uh, he also did one called Three to Tango. I think it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but this one I think's maybe his best like romantic comedy kind of thing. Because you know he meets the family and uh, they're all crazy, and he has to do sitcommy things to get through the day mm-hmm. and through the night and the dinner. Um, and Matthew Perry is a great wine reader. He's really good at he's good at physical stuff, but I think as and, Interpreting lines and performing them, I think he's really, really clever. Hmm. It's a shame he's not in more things. Could yeah. I be in any more things? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's he's he's just really uh, on point. And I mean, it's it's your typical PG thirteen romantic comedy. Yeah, um, but it's just one I enjoyed. I bet my wife really likes it too. That we've watched it several times together. And um, it's uh, directed by the guy who made It Takes Two. Nice. <laughs> he also made uh, some really good stuff, but. So yeah, fools rush in.
Cool. That's a good choice. <laughs> Not making fun at all. Brad? My number four. Fools rush in. Uh, my number four um, is high up on the list because I got to sit out in front of the theater with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, this one is like my introduction to like seeing movies at Denver West. Uh like we'd been going to Union Square in, in Green Mountain for a while, and then I didn't know this is a movie theater that popped up. So when Russell was like, "Hey, let's go see my number four movie, Tomorrow Never Dies," yeah, and then it kicked off a slew of like high school. Like we spent so much time at that theater, and this is what started it. Action stations. Aye, aye, sir. Sound the general alarm. The Chinese pilot insists we're inside their territorial waters and he will fire. An act of violence. Torpedo, torpedo, torpedo. It was an unprovoked attack on a ship in international waters. The promise of war. And instead of decisive action, all you want to do is... My goal is to prevent World War Three, Admiral. Now, the world has only one chance for peace. When will our ships be in position? 48 hours. And just one man for the job. Bond. <laughs> James Bond. How much do you know about Elliot Carver, W7? Worldwide media band. Lots of newspapers, radio, satellite TV. There's no news. Like bad news. I understand you once had a relationship with Carver's wife. Was it something I said? How about the words, I'll be right back? I'm from the New China News Agency. Looking for a news story? <laughs> Could have taken care of him. <laughs> Let the mayhem begin. Your new BMW. Will you need collision coverage? Yes. Property destruction? Definitely. Personal injury? Accidents do happen. No, I'm 007. You seem to have developed a certain attachment. I get to work with a decadent agent of a corrupt Western power. I think you found the right decadent, corrupt Western agent as a partner. Phase two is underway. This holiday season. What the hell is he doing? His job, the world belongs. When you remove Mr. Bond's heart, there should just be enough time for him to watch it stop beating. I would have thought watching your TV shows was torture enough. I'm so excited and glad that you got this on your list. Why? Because <laughs> I love this movie. Yeah? Yeah. Tomorrow Never Dies is my favorite Chris Brosnan film. What? Did you get it anywhere on your list? No, I didn't. Aww. But only I said it's my favorite Pierce Brosnan movie, but it's not like, yeah. Hmm. Um, um, not my favorite Pierce Brosnan movie, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's like... I think the story is actually interesting. Like yeah. it seems plausible that a publishing mogul, you know, would want to alter um I, for, I forget what the actual he, plan is he exactly. Wants, he but, wants to start a war so that he can sell the newspapers. Yeah. Which is so William silly. Randolph Hearst. Right. It's so, Which is a departure like, from like there's a satellite, you know, hanging over our heads. <laughs> yes. It's gonna with a laser that's gonna destroy everything. Yeah. For a Bond movie. But like it's you know, it's it's not the best plot but it's it's a nice it's a well it's something different after like what 20 
right. Bond movies. I forget what number this one is. Yeah. But uh, it's got some good action and, um, yeah. Drives that motorcycle over that helicopter one time. Yeah. Um, they jump out of that building and they fall down using a banner. It's got Ricky Jay in it. Wow, he's he's busy this year. He was. <laughs> well, he's probably in a scene. He spent like all of four days on sets, I'm yeah. sure. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember being thoroughly entertained by it. And Yeah. Um, you know, that, after this and Goldeneye, I got super excited for The World Is Not Enough. And then... Yeah, me too. Not excited I, after that. This is also the one where he's got the remote control car, and so he sits in the backseat of the car, and mm. he's, he remote controls a car chase. Oh, so cool. Man. Yeah. yeah. It was good. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's like a good sequence. I forget. He goes to, do they, they go to China or Taiwan or? Uh, they go to China. China, and there's like a great sequence through the market. I think someone like shoots a rocket launcher. Yes. In a building. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure. It, yeah, it's. I gotta yeah. watch this again. Cause, yeah. But I remember it being really awesome. So. Because Michelle Yeoh is in it, and I'm pretty positive she's Chinese. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> No, she's from. No, she's from. <laughs> yeah. Just like how you tried to like downplay it. Like, uh, I'm gonna be really she was born in Malaysia. Here. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out. Like, yeah. Anyway. She's about to be in Star Trek Discovery. There's oh, a new trailer, yeah. right? Yeah. Which I think they finally fixed the ship. I haven't design. I'm just. I'm just at this point. I'm just waiting, and I'll watch it when it's out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to. And if it's bad, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just I'm, going I'm, to go to my room. I'm pretty impressed with like the special effects are cinema level. Yeah. No. Like I, compared to like Enterprise or something, they've really got yeah. the gotten a good budget for their effects. It's, it's going to come down to the writing, which is yes. what's been lacking in Star Trek for a long, long yeah. time. But tomorrow never dies. <laughs> tomorrow never dies. Number four. Great. Yep. Terry Hatcher, she dies. Yeah, yep. she does. She's pretty. Back then. Yeah. Zach? <laughs> All right. So um, my number four is... I mean. Man. Take that, Terry Hatcher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Finally, someone put her in <laughs> She's had it too good for too long. Um, so um, my number four is a film that I didn't see until film school, um, and I was surprised I, it took me that long to see it. Um, and it, uh, cause I would have rather had this be my introduction to Kurt Russell or not Kurt Russell, uh, Russell Crowe, sorry, <laughs> wrong Russell. Um, uh, my number four is LA Confidential. They were three cops who had nothing in common. Freeze. Big V, what are you doing here? Hey, you know, man, keeping the streets safe, boys. One would do anything to get ahead. You're truly prepared to be despised within a department? Yes, sir, I am. One had his own brand of justice. How's it going to look in your report? It'll look like justice. That's what the man got. And one loved the spotlight. What exactly do you do on the show, Jack? I teach Brett Chase how to walk and talk like a cop. The Night Owl Massacre. This is a heinous crime that requires swift resolution. Six victims. One of them, one of our own. Interrogations will be led by Lieutenant Edmund Exley. I need some backup. Come on. All right, Collins boy, I'll help. Now, all of them are faced with solving one case. Don't move! I want confessions, Edmund. Oh, I'll break them, sir. These people are all in the morgue. And someone has to pay for it. There's something wrong with the night owl. I just can't prove it. They thought they had it all figured out. Anything bothering you about the Night Owl case? The fact that you guys won't let it get filed away. I didn't kill nobody! But what started as a murder... Can you talk only to me on this one? ...became a mystery... ...that 
could cost them everything. Why was Susan Leffert at the Night Owl? I don't know. I never heard of the Night Owl till today. How about some payback, big time? We need evidence. I'll get the evidence. It was an information exchange. You have any proof? The proof had his throat slit. What do you want, actually? I just want to solve this thing. Even if it means paying the consequences? Russell Crowe, Guy Pierce, James Cromwell, Kim Basinger, Danny DeVito. L.A. Confidential. I think that if... It's one of those films that was built up so much for me, up to the point I finally did see it, that I, I was hesitant to go in and like have the same like reaction that they all did. But I ended up having the same reaction that everybody did because this mm-hmm. movie's really fucking solid. Yeah. Um, speaking from the fact that I am obsessed with that time period, it it gets a lot of shit right that you wouldn't expect it to get right. From all the way down to the tabloid press and whatnot, and uh, the uh, the 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 skeezy level of Hollywood that is like kind of like I think they take it a little over the top compared to something like Hollywoodland, which we've discussed mm-hmm. before. Um, cause it's very pulpy, like it's, it's a very pulpy film, um, uh, which is evidenced by the guy who wrote it anyway. So, um, I, I think that it's the, I mean, I think we're at a point where we've all seen this movie by now, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you can talk about it. So like when, when Spacey gets bumped off, what? <laughs> God damn it. This is the first time I've heard of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> when Spacey gets bumped off, I was—I I mean, I was genuinely shocked. Yeah, it's a great scene because the momentum, in my mind, it wasn't building that way. And so when it happens, and then you make James Crom- Cromwell your ultimate villain, which is a great choice, by the way, because yeah. Cromwell's a great actor, um, and and so lovable. Yeah, exactly. That... Like he doesn't like he's able to lull you in with a false sense yeah. of security and like and so and it's a strange one so i'm a big david strathairn fan going from specifically good night and good luck this is a strange role for him he's like very he's very odd in the movie mm-hmm. um uh, i love it danny devito's really good in it too um uh guy pierce solid i kim basinger's really good in it um is there someone who's not good in it i don't think i don't think there's anybody who's a weak link in the film really to be honest yep. um i i I'm not sure if Basinger deserved the Oscar for this movie. She won an Oscar for this movie. Yeah, yeah. best supporting yeah, actress. She yeah, deserve an Oscar for this movie. Yeah, that that it was a strange yeah. choice, especially considering the there. I'm sure there were other. You know, what's crazy. Maybe sometimes there were people win awards when they don't really like deserve them. them. <laughs> are you saying that the Oscars are political? I I might be suggesting that. Yes. Okay, that's a strong theory. Sometimes they win awards to reward them for long careers. Do you think maybe they hadn't seen Mia Jovovich in The Fifth Element? <laughs> I think that their thinking was we can't give Kate or, or, or Kim Basinger an Oscar for her wonderful performance in 89 Batman. So <laughs> we, we'll give it to her here. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you should have eaten a raw fish sooner. <laughs> wow. Uh, so anyway, that's my number four, L.A. Confidential. Good choice. 
James? Uh, my number four is Men in Black. Oh, so just by one. <laughs> yeah, no, I still want to surprise Brian me. can't get enough digs in at Men in Black. Like, right, yeah. Never enough. Even though that movie is like great. Super tight. <laughs> sure. Super tight. Sure. Opening sequence. Never been impressed. So smart. Yeah, we know. He made it very clear. <laughs> I hate a strong word. Would I go out of my way to stop flipping through the channel if it's on? Nope. Mm-hmm. What's your number four? Vegas Vacation? No. No, you go number four forward. right now? Yeah, no. It's you a, have nothing else to say about Men in Black? No, I I talked about it when we talked hmm, about Men in Black. You already forgot about it, huh? No, no, I, no. That's a Men in Black joke. I'm trying to be respectful. That's a Men in Black joke. Oh, okay, go ahead. Uh, my number four is, I don't remember. Oh, I do now. Um, <laughs> this is uh, a film by one of my favorite directors. Uh, he got rejuvenated in 1995 with the, pre, uh, the first chapter of this horror franchise. Uh, my number four film is Scream 2. were murdered last night during a sneak preview of the new movie Stab. It's starting again, Randy. This has nothing to do with us. Randy, a guy in a ghost mask hacked up two people in the movie theater telling our life story. Hi, Gail Weathers, author of the Woodsboro Murders. Do you think the killer will strike again? We have no evidence that this is a serial killer. It's a classic case of life imitating art imitating life. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Do you think someone's trying to duplicate Woodsboro? It looks like it. I think you have a copycat on your hands, Chief. Some freaked out psycho trying to follow in Billy Loomis's footsteps. You probably already know. The way I see it, someone's out to make a scene. So it's our job to observe the rules of the scene. Number one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, death scenes are always much more elaborate. You just want to sit here and wait and see who drops next? I'm not interrupting anything, am I? surprised this is on the list but explain uh i actually think scream 2 is a little tighter than the first scream okay um the first scream is predicated on on, on the first 25 minutes with drew barrymore which is one of the best openings that sequence is 25 minutes long yeah. mm, maybe 20 wow yeah it's, it's long it's long i didn't realize it was that long um yeah so it the, the opening of that film is maybe one of the greatest openings to horror film ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it takes what what's great about Scream is it takes what you know about the, the horror films and turns it on its head. What makes number two really smart is it takes what you know about sequels to horror films where the body count has to be higher, has to be bloodier, and also turns it on that. And I think the the sequence with Sarah Michelle Gellar is actually better than the Drew Barrymore sequence. Mm. Um, if you don't remember, she plays Sissy and she's in um, the the dorm by herself. And she keeps on getting phone calls, and uh, it's basically the same setup, but it, the payoffs I think is a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's I, I think Craven actually it, it screams really good, but I think he's more confident in Scream too, mm-hmm. because I think Scream re- reinvigorated him, mm-hmm. and he says, "Yeah, I can make horror films and make them fun." Um, you know, it, 
Scream 3 at Lost. I think Scream 4 is great, too, but I, I think Scream 2 is just really well staged mm-hmm. as well. I, the reveal of the villains is I don't care. Um, that Those kind of – the first one kind of shoots its wad with the yeah, reveal. Because, because then after this, we're expecting some sort of connection to Sydney. Exactly, and – that that's where two where the third one kind of loses its wheels. Um, oh, so three is like a long stretch yeah. in logic. <laughs> uh, so the second one still makes sense. Um, you know, it's trying to be bigger and badder. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. Uh, so the the ending is whatever, but I think the build up to it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the red herring of Jerry O'Connell's great. I'm uh, actually very like. I, I mean, I could have maybe found a place for it on the list, like down lower, because mm-hmm. it's not. I I mean, I like it. I like it. I like it. But not as much as the first one, I guess. I do like um, the uh, the fact that like, it sounds strange, like because I'm not the biggest Jamie Kennedy fan. Mm-hmm. I like him in Scream and Scream Two, and that's about it. Um, but his death in the movie is not, was oh, yeah. something I wasn't expecting. Oh yeah, it shocked a lot of people. It was like the big like what the fuck. And it's pretty gory. And, and the, the opening with that too, with Jada Pinkett Smith, is pretty great. Yeah. Um, and it's it. It's saying how movies affect people, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, and then it ends up it's, it has nothing to do with it at all. But you know, she's in, and her death is pretty horrific. So, yeah, I, I think it's really well done. I like Scream Two. So, if I'm somebody who watched Scream One and appreciated it, but I don't like, I'm not like, oh yay! I like, I like I watch it and I go like, I get it. Yeah, you don't. You know, I mean, okay. Scream Two is kind of like if, it, if it's you're... a continuation of her story. So sure. yeah, okay. so it's like if you're really that invested yeah <laughs> get ready yeah so yeah i i, I do enjoy scream too and cool I, and i mean the sarah michelle sarah michelle geller bit is really great mm-hmm. it's it's basically i think it's in the middle of the film it's kind of a a big set piece for it because uh, or maybe she's a second death I, I i think maybe it's the movie theater and then her i can't remember off the top of my head uh it's it's been a while <laughs> yeah it's just it's just really well staged and it, Wes Craven is really good at, uh, and you can see it through his nightmare films or even the Hills Have Ice. He's really good at misdirection. Yeah. And in this in this sequence, it's lots of misdirection where you think it's going to go one way and it goes another. Mm-hmm. And she's another one. You know, at that time, you know, Buffy came out and everyone was thinking, oh, you know, she's going to be kicking ass and she dies really fast. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Brad, number three. All right. My number three. Um for a long time wasn't like on my list of favorite anything but uh as i watched it more and more and since this filmmakers released subsequent movies since then um it has jumped up higher on the list and uh it's it's more dramatic than a lot of what i like about his work but my number three is chasing amy mine too oh cool spot a long face horace having a little girl trouble pressing charges i get that a lot holden mcneil was set in his ways the way he worked the way he lived and the way he thought love should be but then she showed up let me guess you like her this girl loves me there's something you should know she got a boyfriend well, no. Then what's to know, my friend? And this girl's got a secret that's going to drive him crazy. I like you, Hogan. 
I'd really like us to be friends. What I tell you, she just needs the right guy. What's up? If you come pick me up, I'll be your best friend. Now, the only thing standing in Holden's way is the truth. I can't take this. Can't take what? I love you. Not in a friendly way. How was your pseudo date? Okay, I'm telling you, she's never even been with a guy. You're dating a guy? So what if it is true? You know you have no shot at getting her into bed. I take it that's not good. Miramax Films presents a comedy that tells it like it feels. Well, she's been around and seen things we've only read about in books. So what'd you do last night? Got lucky. Chasing Amy. So yeah, it's, it's just like I like, you know, the mall rats, Kevin Smith, and this is more thoughtful and, uh, you know, ha- has more of something to say than say mall rats. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that for the longest time, that was like, you know, if I had to pick one off the shelf to watch, this wasn't the one that was going to get it. But, um, but yeah, and the more I watch like nowadays, like it, it, it I feel like there's, the there's old- so much more competent filmmaking going on. I feel like the more the older you get, the more this film hits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's his best film. I would. I. I, I mean, I, you know my personal favorites, but I would agree this is probably his best film. I, I think uh, everything <laughs> everything that happens in this film, the acting, um, shooting on a shoestring budget, I think actually helps it. Yeah, I mean, it looks great for a sixteen millimeter shot film, and it's it's infinitely quotable. I mean, I quote it all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, like the opening sequence with like. Uh, Banksy and the just say it. You're a tracer. <laughs> <laughs> like as a as a you know an illustrator, just like I love that <laughs> that sequence yeah. so much. <laughs> um, as, yeah, frustrated artist and everything. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, Jason yeah. Lee, I think turns in a great performance, especially if you know him from Mallrats. For him to kind of take the funny guy, but then turn it dramatic, and you find out that he's really in love with Holden, and uh, it's. It's the it's the funny guy cranked in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was that's what I was alluding to. Also with Ben Affleck is like I think this is among one of his oh, best yeah. performances. Yeah, and it's he's, Joey he's Lord. A, he's an asshole. Oh yeah, he is. He's because he's well. And the way like so it's, it's 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 so ingrained in my mind because of my Kevin Smith phase. So like this film says a lot about your expectations versus um, the reality of the world, and. Smith spoken much more eloquently about it over the years. Um, the, but this was ultimately a reaction to Mallrats bombing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this, uh, he wanted to make a film that represented something his brother could see because his brother's gay. That and too, I mean, he, he's also said too, and it's, he's right, he couldn't come to, with the, to terms with the fact that he was dating Joey Lauren Adams, who he thought was way out of his league. Mm-hmm. And it's it's translated into the Holden character where he doesn't feel he's good enough for Joey Lauren Adams. And she has that great monologue where she's like, you're enough. You're all I want. And he makes horrible choices. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's his most powerful film. And I think it's, um, I love Joey Lauren Adams last line in the film. Um, we're like close to last line in that scene before the very end. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the, the best pieces of dialogue ever written is, I love you, Holden, but I'm not your fucking whore. I think that is one of the best lines of dialogue I've ever heard. The movie ends with that? No, no, no. no. It's like it's after he proposes the three-way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so. 
Um, that would be weird if it just ended right there. <laughs> yeah, you said it was like one of the last. Uh, it's like the last line of the movie. That's what you said. And also, like, it's not my favorite Jay and Silent Bob moment, but it is very it's, close to it's it. It's my favorite. Well, actually, maybe Silent Bob and Clerks Two has my best moment. <laughs> oh yeah, like why are you add to the fucking proceedings? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, but for that movie, it's it's a like they need to be only in that scene. Yeah, yeah. Like, if they were hanging out in front Chasing of the other story. Yeah. Wait, what? what? <laughs> Chasing Amy. <laughs> fucking amy story i love it yeah, i love this film um this is a little higher on my yeah, list and um <laughs> brian o'halloran and matt damon's cameo in the, in the it, like it i didn't notice it at first when i first saw this movie and then the second time i watched it i'm like matt damon <laughs> yeah. um but i yeah i remember watching this film for the first time on a portable dvd player during the csap tests um i would finish the test early intentionally CSAPs, yeah. I, I, would, I intentionally said fuck off to my csap test and filled out all of them in a in a goofy pattern just so i could pop open my uh portable blu-ray player or dvd player and watch chasing amy um during my off periods so i, I know i've told this story on the podcast many times it might be someone's first so this was the first dvd i ever bought really is the criterion chasing amy oh, i remember it was like at, 40 bucks at media play i bought yeah. it at the one in westminster i because it's a criterion edition yeah i went and i got the blu-ray player i want to say at circuit city and then i decided i was going to go to media play to get the first blu-ray and i picked that one up in wrestlemania 15 and i watched chasing amy first because i remember watching mall rats on vhs and clerks on vhs in high school and uh, this one just blew my mind i, I think it's uh, it's his best stuff what's a nubian <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah I was going to say Clerks 2, I think, is, is his best. Saying <laughs> deep down, if, we all wants to be white. <laughs> Isn't I mean, that true? I, I think my, Clerks 2 is my favorite of his, followed by Tusk and then uh, probably the first Clerks. But if I'm talking about, honestly, like what's the most mature and and even at the same time also like the most like – amazing he's been it's probably chasing amy because clerks 2 does fall into the it falls into a different line for me i guess well, it's yeah. just no, it's just personal i'm so gonna yeah. go with that because he like he really deals with middle age really well in that movie yeah. so well but the only thing that holds clerks 2 back is the donkey scene yep that's the only <laughs> thing that holds that back i mean there is a great line it's like oh shit the cops better hurry up i think <laughs> oh, that's shit, funny gotta finish. <laughs> but uh, it, it's just shocked to be shocked and it's it's really out of t- place in the movie too where he does you know the ABC dance number in uh, to me it's just that's why I say if we're t- if we're talking about ways to like to to put it amongst prestige I think this chasing Amy is this one right. and there's like a great story like they came like one vote away from getting nominated for best original screenplay for that movie and like I don't it 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 like some it, it, at the end of the day like it was a, like a tiebreaker vote or something like that yeah. but it's interesting so James yeah number chasing three. Amy is pretty good. Uh, my number what three? Mm-hmm. My number three is um, not this director's best script, and it is not this guy's best. Like it's not his masterpiece, um, but it is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. My number three is Jackie Brown. For centuries, Americans have gathered together to celebrate the holidays, reaffirm family ties, and wish goodwill to all men. But this Christmas. Santa's got a brand new bag. Now you gotta listen to this, man, because this concerns you, all right? 
What do a stewardess, a gunrunner, a bail bondsman, an ex-con, a federal agent, and a beach bunny have in common? You don't come in on this thing with me. You got to be prepared to go all the way. They're all chasing a half million in cash. Half a million dollars will always be less. Let him get the money and then just take it from him. She's trying to play your ass against me, huh? That was fun. Yeah, really at the spot. So she and your girlfriend, is that what you felt? Well, I hope you felt appropriately guilty after what the words I did. Well. There's only one question. Man, I ain't getting in this trunk. You ain't gonna be in here no more than ten minutes. Man, I ain't riding in no trunk for no minute. Who's playing who? Let's make a deal. Yeah, so what's she gonna give us? Are you gonna offer to set him up? Yeah. I'm doing something stupid. Pam Greer, Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Forster, Bridget Fonda, Michael Keaton, and Robert De Niro. Is she dead? I, I, I... Yes or no, is she dead? Pretty much. Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown. When you absolutely, positively got to kill every mother in the room, except no substitutes. Nothing gets between me and my AK. <laughs> Woo. Fake news. Fake news, James. <laughs> Don't you dare your list Donald of, Trump on this podcast, your, you motherfucker. Your list is fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Quit saying uh, that. No, no, no. No, no. It's, it's definitely number three. <laughs> uh, I can see it right here. Um, Jackie Brown What if I is, told you to didn't even make my list? That's okay. Um, <laughs> Whatever, you're lame. <laughs> it's okay, it's, Ryan. Didn't make mine either. Uh, I think this what do movie these middle-aged is, men know anyway. <laughs> boring. I I really love this movie as a good uh, as a good con film. Like it's a it's a really good Elmore Leonard adaptation. Um, part of what's great about this movie is that Tarantino has to hold back a lot. Like he's this is him in a very mature way trying to make not him in a sandbox just doing dumb shit and like swearing and being like vulgar as often as he can um you know this is a movie that is like him trying to sort of fit inside of a normal hollywood mold uh which is interesting because it's also like the thing that people don't think of the most um kind of agree kind of don't but sure explain, that's okay I'll explain later yeah yeah i'm sure it'll be later on your list or whatever shit uh so the <laughs> um the uh this was one where I, when I finally saw it, I was like, "Holy shit! How I've missed uh, have I missed this so much?" Because I I, uh, I love Jackie Brown as a character, and that is the reason why this movie is is as good as it is. Like I I think he tells a really great love story here, like a, or at least a really good romance here. Um, his villains are are interesting, but more subdued in a strange way than maybe they are in other. Like they're not. They don't, to me, feel quite as cartoonish as, as they can They're paranoid and scared. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Ma- Michael Keaton is really cool in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, yeah, at, at the end of the day, like, Pam Greer is just so badass. Uh, her, the, the moment where Samuel Jackson comes over to her house and, and it's totally dark and, uh, and all of a sudden you just hear her say, get your hands from around my neck. It's so good. Uh, like she's this really from around my throat. Uh, word. Uh, okay, great. Yeah. Um, like that moment is so powerful, and you love her so much. Um, 
that uh, I, I I can't not like this movie. Um, <laughs> he said the line right before it. I love that. He's like, is that what I think it is? What do you think it is? I think it's a gun pressed against my dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the whole the whole story with Robert Forrester is, oh, is just so lovable. And, um, man, like, and then I hate the ending. Uh, and hate is, you know, I'm just saying, like. Define why. I I I hate that you don't see her turn the car around. I understand why you don't. I just I hate that Robert Forster doesn't go with her. Um, okay, but because I love the two of them so much, um, that's what I want. So, yeah, um, that's my number three. Okay, we're back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember not liking the ending either, but for like just the reason of man, I sat through all this for that week. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we need a fa- a Facebook page with the posters. I, the, I sat through all that <laughs> week. <laughs> uh, my number three is a repeat. It's Austin Powers. Um, wow, that oh, high. Yeah, oh, here's here's the uh, the scene I was talking about. It's where uh, Scott meets Doctor Evil for the first time. <laughs> Hello, Scott. Hi. I'm your father, Doctor Evil. I haven't seen you my whole life, and, and now you come back and just expect a relationship? I hate you. That was an easy find, Brad. Don't worry. <laughs> what a weird patch of silence in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of the best. I've said it many times. one of the best delivered lines ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love the movie. I think it's funny, silly. I love Elizabeth Hurley. Um, yep. It's funny. Brad, number two? I'm trying to figure out how to introduce my number two. Um... Star Wars. <laughs> All I guess of I'll them. Ju- I guess I'll just say that it's the best Die Hard movie on a plane. My number two, yes, features the greatest president <laughs> in the history of fictional America. Oh you're, you're actually crying. He's crying. Man. My number two is Air Force One. Salute, you guys. Salute. Tonight, I come to you with a pledge to change America's policy. Atrocity and terror are not political weapons, and to those who would use them. Your day is over. In a speech tonight in Moscow, the president issued a direct challenge to terrorist nations around the world. But the question remains, what are the risks involved in such a bold policy initiative? They hated your speech, didn't they? We're afraid we won't have the guts to back it up. Air Force One clear for takeoff. Thank you for your hospitality, Moscow. The president's plane, Air Force One, has been hijacked. What do they want? They want General Raddick released from prison. I will execute the hostage every half an hour. What are our airborne scenarios? There are no airborne scenarios. My husband will not negotiate. His wife, his daughter, I think he'll negotiate. How the hell did this happen? How the hell did they get Air Force One? Your national security advisor has been executed. He just bought you another half hour. Sir, your parachute. I'm not leaving without my family. You know who I am? I'm the president of the United States. Jim isn't making this decision as a president. He's making it as a husband and a father. Let's not forget this president is a Medal of Honor winner. He knows how to fight. He has no right to take chances with his life. Given to their demands, we've got a job to do. It makes me so proud, Mr. President, that you stuck with us. You know your father, he has also killed. 
You're nothing like my father. We're tracking six MiGs. I'm sending in our F-15s to protect you. You say MiGs? In a war, people die. The president is up there with a gun to his head. I'll do anything to save my family. Don't ask me for something I can't give. Uh, it's my number one film from this year. Oh, wow. sorry. No, it's all right. No, I, I fucking love <laughs> See, this I movie. I thought something like Beverly Hills Ninja was probably going to be your number one. Wow. But, or Chasing Amy. I can't believe you guys put this that high. Yeah, because yeah, no, it's awesome. awesome. It is. It is. <laughs> Except for the CGI at the end. <laughs> well, yeah. But we forgive that, it. That, that hasn't held up very well. Yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah. But no, I, I mean, it's great. And it, it boils down to being it's Die Hard on a Plane. Yeah. And if uh, Bruce Willis was the president. Um. <laughs> but not as suave as Harrison Ford. I can see Bruce Willis playing a president. I can see Harrison Ford playing president. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford seems way more presidential than yeah, Bruce much more statesmanlike. Yes, um, yeah, like I don't know, <laughs> awesome is yeah, like the president actually it, being like yeah, an he, action badass. Yeah, he's like a badass and. He's basically not letting the Russians take over. Remember when the Russians were bad guys? Yeah. He wasn't going to let the Russians take over his plane. Yeah. And, you know. And Gary Oldman's in this movie. Gary Oldman's a Russian oh, in this play movie. And Gary like Oldman this. is so great in Die Hard films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's just so badass. Everything about this movie is badass. And it, it's my number one movie because I think it's the most fun movie of the year. And I've I've watched it many times. Totally fair. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I. It's too. It's like the poster isn't great, but it's an iconic poster. <laughs> it's, Are you talking about the one that's good. just his face? It's just his with face with the plane on it. I'm like, yes. oh, I know what this movie's about. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oddly enough, it's actually Harrison Ford fucking a plane. And, <laughs> and, I, and I and I and I love Harrison Ford. I think he's really great in all his movies. Yeah, was having a female vice president like edgy then? Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, the... but you know, I don't pay attention to it. <laughs> what a woman. And then, uh, yeah, you, you actually, like, I remember, like, learning more about the government yeah. works because of that movie. <laughs> like, like, that they have planes? Well, no, they have that sequence where Glenn Close, like, has to decide, like, you know, sh- do I sign away, like, the fact that is the president incapacitated and there's, mm-hmm. like, a power struggle between like, I remember you th- the they, they thought he got off the plane. That's right. Oh, fuck, he didn't get off. He didn't. He stayed no, he on. He stayed behind. <laughs> I now then, want to teach an American government class and sneak Air Force One into the <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like a, you know, a good, I don't know, 45 minutes of like a very strategic way of like, how do we get these people rescued from this plane? Mm-hmm. And um, there's some pretty smart things that, you know, transpire through that. And Only someone could fly it. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> our president is a former pilot. <laughs> yeah, we're good to go. <laughs> Well, Power of screenwriting, guys. <laughs> Coincidences are never there. It was either that or Keenan Thompson could show up having paid a lot of <laughs> Microsoft, of Microsoft him. Uh, yeah. Back when the president prerequisite was actually serving in the military. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. That movie's amazing. Yeah, it is. Man, that's a good choice. Yep. Yep. It's awesome. Check it, it out. It's such a great, easy watch. It is. It's fun. Yeah. Carol's yeah. neck gets snapped back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's this one part where he says, get off my plane. How yeah. did none of us say Classic. that yet? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. We're going to do it justice. 
Yeah. Because you don't see Gary Oldman's next snap, so it's... <laughs> I think it's among the top action films from the 90s that don't have Shane Black involved in some way. <laughs> Fair. It's, it's among that top tier. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Zach, number t- two? <sighs> I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shining star. My number two is Boogie Nights. Everyone's given one special thing, right? Everyone's blessed with one special thing. I want you to know I plan on being a star. A big, bright, shining star. Eddie Adams from Torrance. Yep. Jack Horner, filmmaker. I make it. Exotic pictures. In 1977, a kid from nowhere made me think about your name. My name, yeah. Something a little pizzazz. Dirk Diggler. Good name. I like your name a lot. Had a dream of getting somewhere. Jack Horner has found something special in newcomer Dirk Diggler. So let me just pop in this A-track, and you just give a listen, tell me what you think, okay? It was a time when disco was king. These are the ones. These are great. Yeah, those are really cool. Are they lizard? No, they're Italian. Do you like my shoes? They're pretty cool. Sex was safe. Woo-hoo! Pleasure was a business. Cut. Terrific. Nice work. When business was booming. And the award for best newcomer goes to Mr. Dirk Diggler. Wow. Goodbye, 1979. Hello, 1980. Are you ready? But in 1980... Come on, you puppy! The party was over. You are fired! What? You're fired! fired. It's jealousy, it's deceitfulness, it's vindictiveness, but, I mean, God, what can you expect when you're on top? Oh, wait, 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 wait. About this part. New Line Cinema presents... A portrait of two decades in the life of a business, the days of a dreamer, and the nights in between. Boogie Nights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember when he pulls out his dick? the end yeah boogie nights that's a good movie and you're like that dick is fake (laughs) (laughs) say hi to your mother for me but the first two and a (laughs) half well the first two hours and 29 minutes leading up to the dick are really great um this was the first no the second pta movie i'd ever seen because the first one i saw was um there will be blood in the theater wow and i think like three years went by and i didn't really get into pta pta until i saw boogie nights because i heard I heard two key things about it. One, it's about the porn industry in the 70s, and number two, it's got Burt Reynolds in it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Burt Reynolds and porn, I'm there. And what ends up happening is it's this really – it's somehow this <laughs> – you really want me to back up on that one. Yeah, wait, what? so what about Burt Reynolds and porn together makes you like, hmm, that sounds like, like a winning combination. Oh, well, it's a yeah. subject that's fascinating in cinema because it rarely gets talked about. And um, number two, Burt Reynolds is awesome. You guys have been over to Zach's room. He's got that big spread of Burt Reynolds and <laughs> yeah. Playgirl as well. Yeah, he does. Spread. Yeah. Um, so, um, but... By definition, isn't porn talked about on film a lot? Yes. <laughs> Just saying. There's lots of pornography is what we're saying. Yeah, see, because porn's yeah. on film. Yeah. But, uh, no, you're, you're, being, you're being technical, and yep. I don't like you. <laughs> uh, uh, no, so, but, um, so, like... 
it started off it it starts off like I I think it starts off a little slow and get it takes time to build up to what it's really coming to cuz it's this really weird movie about family. <laughs> hmm. Um and like but like in the most unexpected of places. Um at the same time it tracks the history of the adult industry from when it was shown in theaters up to the home video market and like one of the hardest scenes to watch in, for me is when Burt Reynolds and Heather Graham are trying to still make videos and they now they've gone over to VHS tape and it's a scene of them in the limo trying to do it but the the guys are like these they're like these 80s frat guys taking advantage of Heather Graham and they just kick him out the fucking door um the descent in this movie of uh of um Dirk Diggler is great um i uh it's i think it's the only time in film anyone's ever sang you've got the touch by stan bush and had it mean something to an emotional core because transformers doesn't count um and uh i uh i i I dig it like i think it's the camera movement's amazing it's it's obviously an homage to some early scorsese films um philip seymour hoffman's really good in this movie uh william h macy's character is something i wasn't expecting um like when when this when when he ends up like going the way he goes it's it's fun so um i i recommend boogie nice if you haven't seen it and if especially if you're looking for a paul thomas anderson that's not um so confusing like because basically once there will be blood happens he goes in his own direction and he doesn't have a lot of restraint Mm-hmm. Um, I will fully admit that as much as I love there will be blood. And I think it's my favorite of his films. This is where that, this is boogie nights, Magnolia and punch drunk love are the time when he has the most restraint and has the compromise between what I want to do and what others want me to do. So yeah, boogie nights, check it out. James, number two. Uh, my number two is a repeat. My number two is LA confidential. Um, I, I adore this movie. I think it's so cool. Um, and it's one that I, I saw, I was probably like 12 or so. My mom was out of town. My dad and I rented it. Um, and I just immediately remember thinking like, this is such a cool, just like mystery film. And then as like time has gone on and I've rewatched it and rewatched it and rewatched it, like those characters to me are really rich. I love, uh, I love Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe. Um, cause they, they, they feel like two sides of the same coin. Um, like they're, they're two different heroes and you want, you're rooting for both of them. Um, but they, they, uh, sort of attack their problems in very distinct ways, and there's good and bad things about them, right? Like, um, so yeah, I, I I think that movie's really fun and amazing, and and Kim Basinger is okay. <laughs> no, just kidding, uh, she does fine. Um, so yeah, for sure, check out uh, LA Confidential. Uh, my number two is Chasing Amy. There we go. Oh, um, cool. I love the film. I always have. It's my favorite Kevin Smith film. Always has been since I saw it. Uh, I think each one of his films have merit even yoga hosers um but this is to me is his most honest film i think it's his uh most exposed in himself film mm-hmm. and i want him to do it again um mm-hmm. i understand that he's afraid it, it, listening to him talk on his podcast for so long he's almost afraid of doing that again because his films after got to a certain point where he's like, well, I don't want to do the Jersey stuff anymore. So I'm going to not make films. And then he decided he's going to do so much dope that now he's making these goofy films. Mm. Uh, he's, you know, now he's doing the CW superhero stuff, which I hope will, well, I mean, obviously now he's doing James Bob reboot, but 
I want to see him do something like this. And, you know, even when people tease him about Jersey Girl, I think Jersey Girl's pretty strong. Oh, Jersey yeah. Girl's awesome. Um, it is. And I think that Jersey Girl really hurt him when he put, again, something out there that was really personal to him and people didn't respond to it. Um, so I, I, I want to see him go back to kind of this open wound kind of drama comedy where mm. it hurts to watch it, but after you watch it, it you still feel good i don't know if that makes any sense at all yeah Yeah. Um, well having seen jersey girl yeah (laughs) yeah you know because it's you you there it's it's not because you talked about the scene with joey lauren adams at the end mm -hmm. um, but it also has the closure scene where it was cathartic for holden to do a book by himself Mm -hmm. kevin smith's character to do a book by himself and put it out there it wasn't a hot seller but that's him that's him he didn't he didn't need um banky he didn't need any of that he just needed that book yeah and um so yeah i think i think i hope i hope kevin smith will do it again um i'll still laugh at his stuff i, I mean i'll see moose jaws i think it sounds fun mm-hmm. um i'll still see jay and silent bob reboot because it sounds fun mm-hmm. um but yeah i'd love to see hit somebody you won't <laughs> oh, i so want to see hit somebody um, but yeah that's my number two cool brad number one i want to see clerks three damn you randall <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're at number one. Yeah, number one. Number All right. One. Well, I think Ryan will be excited to know that my number one is Men in Black. <gasps> yeah, really? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, we're not playing the trail again. So, uh, yeah, that that, that was our jam in '97. Um, not mine. birthday movie. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> you don't like the movie. <laughs> you're some kind of Nazi. You're outnumbered. Right. <laughs> it's very clear. Yeah. <laughs> it's in my top twenty of the year. I think. You said it was right above t- Titanic. <laughs> At number 27. Yeah, everything's above Titanic. <laughs> ah, technically, yes. Because <laughs> um, it's a sunken boat. Um, anyway, <laughs> I got to watch The Esquire a couple weeks ago. Oh, cool. And it's kind of a bummer because when it came out, like the humor was so fresh and so mm-hmm. like, because like the X-Files was big at the time and like uh, people like the culture about like grays and aliens was kind of big at that time. Yeah. So it, it was really, I know it's based on the, like the source material was the comic book probably yeah. shedding, you know, light on that. But, um, yeah, it was, the humor was so f- fresh and new at the time. And now with the, like the CGI not being as great as it was. And, uh, you know, practical effects still hold up though. Yeah. Rick yeah. Baker stuff's great. Um, but like the humor just doesn't like, hit as hard as it like once did and that's partially having i wouldn't say memorize the movie but like i've seen it a lot so it's just it's just the impact isn't there anymore um and it, it like you said before it is a shame that they didn't mine that franchise as well um with such a rich world that the best they could do like for a sequel was like hey let's repeat the same shit again um yeah if not worse because half the movie is just trying to get k's memory back yeah Mm-hmm. Which, like, I always thought they should have just not had K come back. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, absolutely. So what they did in the third one was good, but uh, like they really should have taken. I'm guessing Linda Fiorentino probably didn't want to do the movie because it seems like she doesn't want to do sequels Movies. of things. But... She doesn't want to do anything. Yeah, right. Yeah. So just ask Kevin Smith. But like, it would it would have been good for the sequel to have, like give him a, a like a non K partner. Yeah, and like make Will Smith the K. Right, um, but no, they just they went back. They, they tried to the with well. Patrick Warburton, but he just kept eating pie in the sequel. Yeah, and then they really ran the pug into the ground. Ugh, so much yeah. so that they had to 
kill him for the third one. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, there's just a huge world to work with, and they just really <laughs> as for as as imaginative as the first one is, uh, right. they they just didn't do anything with it. It's really sad. Yeah, Rip Rip Torn has a really great delivery when all the aliens are starting to evacuate Earth, and he turns and he looks at the worms and he goes, "You sorry little ingrates." <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, and yeah, the. Uh, what's his name? Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, like <laughs> his performance that is just so. It, I think it might be his best performance of his like entire catalog. Like, mm. it's. I would put it as his best mainstream role because he's done some really good indie stuff. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen his a lot of his early work. I'm sure it's uh, great, he's good like, in The Fugitive. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. I didn't do I it. So I don't care. He's really um, good in Lincoln. But I don't know, like in this one he has to like it's such a like a, a role you wouldn't expect him to be in. Yeah. He's being like he doesn't seem like a guy who would get the material on the page, like what the satire is, but he yeah. delivers he <laughs> he figures out that character so well. Yeah. Um I'm sure he doesn't know half of what he's saying, but he <laughs> he does get the character. Like he probably doesn't understand like the alien <laughs> alien culture. culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's probably just, you know, stupid kid stuff, but he's, he, he knocks out of the park. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. 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 Just looking at Will Smith's like filmography. I like focus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Come on. You like iRobot. Nope. iRobot's pretty fun. I am legend. I like, I think he's really great in that. Yeah, I am legend's good. With um, its original ending is really, it's really good. You're a big fan of Anchorman too. You know, he's yeah. one of those actors who's like. He's been, he's in okay movies, but he never turns in a bad performance. I don't no, think. I no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's bad at any movie. Actually, yeah, I just Pursuit of Happiness is great. Hitch is great. Speaking his, of Suicide his, Squad, his five minute Academy Award worthy performance in Jersey Girl. That's yeah. true. He's in Jersey Girl. No, I mean, I like. I just I don't think he's a bad actor. I just he just never like clicked with me, mm. like he does for everybody else in America. He was the Fresh Prince man. He went to Bel Air. I know. He also rolled into the Wild Wild West. Woohoo! Ha ha! Okay, uh, Zach, your number one movie is Jackie Brown. James, what'd you pick? For number <laughs> one? <laughs> Zach. So, so this is my favorite film of all time. Is Jackie Brown? Um, Out of all the films that have ever existed, yeah, this is what you picked. Are you yeah. sure it's better than Gattaca? <laughs> Boy, I will hit you. I was just asking a question. I, I will straight up get I will, arrested. I will. I will give you that. I, I will straight up. <laughs> Be arrested by Ryan for how bad I'm going to beat you. Um, no, uh, so I'm trying to I'm trying to explain this in a, the quickest way possible because I know we're all tired here. You already took too long. Okay. Um. So the first time I saw um J- Jackie Brown, it was just after Pulp Fiction, and I thought at the time that Pulp Fiction was like the most challenging thing I'd ever seen. Um, that everyone loved where it's like, Oh, it's this film you've got to figure out and recognize. But, um, when I saw Jackie Brown, I was like, I, I think the first, after the first time I watched it, I knew I liked it, but I didn't understand how much it had seeped into my brain on what it was saying in terms of like, they're all reading their damn phones. <laughs> it seeped in my brain in terms of, I'm still listening. So, so like, in terms of like, cause it's not like, cause I'd seen kill bill before that. And I'd seen, then I saw Pulp Fiction. So I'm like, okay, this is such a different film from him. What the fuck's going on? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like you said, he's he's really restraining himself. 
He's not telling a story he's probably comfortable with. I mean, it's it's about middle age. It's about getting old. He's, this is a this movie could have been called One Last Ride, and it would have been just as effective. It could have been called Rum Punch. Um. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> That's the name of the book. You jerk. Um. So um. I, I what I like about it is like first of all the the mainstream element that we get out of the film is the uh is the heist, and I love how it goes through a trial run and then goes through the real run and then shows every angle of how this how this heist is pulled off. Um, does it take a bit of time? Yeah, but I, I guess I'm enjoying myself so much that I don't mind the the runtime of it taking up that much space. Um, I think this is my favorite Samuel L. Jackson performance because I think he's playing a villain that is a coward, um, which therefore makes him way more interesting than if he was just malevolent and like super like super scary. Like I like that he actually has a human side to him. Um, I think that Pam Greer is. Uh, amazing in this film. I think that she 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 embodies this like this great sense of what it's like to work with Quentin, which is just like like g- being able to be appreciated one more time by someone who clearly understands what your best work is. Robert Forster is amazing in this film, um, but Max Cherry is a great character. It's a straight up great character, um, and. Uh, the love story, I think, is part of the reason why it's my favorite film of all time. Because I don't really like love stories. I really don't. Um, romantic comedies I used to be addicted to until they got ruined for me by Katherine Heigl. And um, so, and but in terms of romantic dramas or romantic action films or whatever, which do exist, I'm just never into any of that. And this is the only love story that I genuinely love. Meh. Uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt and i think it's ultimately because of that ending not just because not just because of every other thing that goes great like max getting the tape of the delphonics is is a great character trait yeah it's a great moment and it's it it brings a great callback when samuel jackson has him in the car at gunpoint he's listening to didn't i blow your mind this time and he goes i didn't know you like the delphonics and he all robert forrester says is they're pretty good (laughs) and it's a great delivery um so the fact that Max doesn't go off with Jackie, I think, is good. Is like it's it's people in their forties living the day in the life of their childhood one more time before they have to go back to the real world. Like it's like hmm. it's like a genie. It's like wishing um, wishing for a genie to grant you one more day as a child, hmm. and then but the spell that. breaks, and then that's when. You have Jackie sitting in her car listening to Across 110th Street. And part of me feels like she has moved on, but the other part of her is wondering if she could ask the genie for one more wish of one more day. So that's kind of how I feel about this film, is that there's so many things going on to it. Tag on the fact that it's got my favorite director backing it, or doing the story itself, and bringing his style to it is, like, it's all the things for me. Yeah, like you know, I could go on forever, but like that's pretty much it. Also, my favorite Chris Tucker movie. Uh, fair. It's better than The Fifth Element. Man, I ain't not gonna get in no dirty ass trunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. You said five minutes, of a <laughs> and that was the death of Chris Tucker. But Bo- death of Beaumont. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you just got really excited there. <laughs> <laughs> he gets shot in the trunk. <laughs> 
Who's James? Really good? Who's that? That's Bullseye. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, my number one is a movie we haven't talked about. Oh. Um, because all of you clearly weren't alive in 97. Was your heart going to go on? Uh, no. No, okay. no. 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 <laughs> You're adorable. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, my number one is Contact. of an unidentified radio source from deep space can neither be confirmed nor denied. Whatever it is, it ain't local. Position? I checked interferometry somewhere in Lyra, I think. Uh, Vega? Can't be. It's only 26 light years away. I want all these people out of here. You're having sent this announcement all over the world may well constitute a breach of national security. Oh, this isn't a person-to-person call. This may be an announcement to get our attention. The president has called an emergency meeting. You know those interlaced frames that we thought were noise? This says structure. I'm going to recommend to the president that we militarize this project immediately. There's no reason to believe that their, their intentions are hostile. There's no proof of that. Why don't they just speak English? Mathematics is the only truly universal language, Senator. Buried within the message itself is the key to decoding it. Those look like engineering schematics, almost like blueprints. It is our belief that the message contains instructions for building some kind of machine. A machine? It might turn out to be some kind of a transport. Transport? The fact is, you don't know what it does. It could be anything. Nobody's saying this is dangerous. They're going to build it. Who gets to go, though? It's complicated, Ellie. Who gets to go? By doing this, you're willing to risk your life. You're willing to give your life and die for this. Why? I mean, this is All one right, of those. Let's prepare the let's prepare the spitballs here, gentlemen. So this is one of those that, like, I think I, we talked about this a few weeks ago before we did a, we did a recording where I was like, I mean, if you know me, and you look at what movies came out in '97, you you can probably guess what my number one is. Kind of figured this would be it. Um, so yeah, I I adore Contact. Uh, obviously, it's um it's a Robert Zemeckis movie uh about a young woman whose father passes away and. Uh, he was really into science and, and got her a radio. And so she ends up becoming a, uh, person who monitors Wait, in contact Jody Foster. Okay. What? <laughs> There's another person. Who else? <laughs> oh, um, James Woods. Who else? Uh, John Hurt. We can go at this all night, boy. Tom, who else? Tom Skerritt. Uh, that creepy thin guy who blows up the first one. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's in this movie. He plays a. He is. He plays a, <laughs> he plays a pastor, uh, sort of. He plays. Wow. Well, he plays like a religious writer. We're literally doubling down on everything oh, yeah. that gets James. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's great. Oh, just wait till we get later on. Um, so she basically works on SETI projects and uh, goes to this uh, the the big climactic scene or the you know opening scene that everybody remembers is the uh, sequence at the very large array in New Mexico where she's like sitting on her car and she's just listening to space sounds. And then she hears this sound and you're like, well, that's a weird sound. And then like, it turns out that it's this weird signal from space. Um, and the whole movie is really just a long conversation. It's based on a Carl Sagan novel. Um, and the whole movie is really this sort of long kind of political conversation about, you know, whether or not if there's if there's intelligent life in space when it's appropriate for that life to make contact with us when what we would do with that and what that would mean um actually in a very arrival-esque kind of way um i think i probably even talked about contact back when we reviewed arrival last year Mm -hmm. um 
and I think the there's these really wonderful conversations. I mean, this this is a a movie that ha- is a platform for having, you know, these interesting debates about whether or not we are even mature enough to to handle these questions. Um, you have these these great back and forths between McConaughey uh, and Jodie Foster, where you know they just they sort of fall in love but they just don't see eye to eye on really anything is mcconaughey good in this movie he's really he's really good in this okay. movie yeah um yeah there's some great scenes where because he ends up like being on the she really wants to go into space when they build this cool like you know so thing. what happens throughout the course of this movie oh mostly just conversations okay. about stuff just, yeah just wondering um and then eventually they like they build this giant like spaceship thing like it's basically a big slingshot um but they don't know what it does and then they don't even think that it works um, and then the part everybody hates happens, uh, where she, at the end, like you have this big climax where she gets dropped through this machine. Is it a big climax? Uh, I think it is. She, she gets dropped through this thing and she goes through space and you're going through all these like wormholes and shit and you're, and like, you're like, man, what's going on? And she gets to this beach and her dad shows up. And that's when it, most people in this movie, watching this movie are like, what the fuck? Like, this is such a cop outy dumb. Like, I really wanted to see a big tall alien. Um, but that's like super not the point of this film. Um, and I think what's actually being discussed there and, and even what her dad tells her there is, is this really beautiful moment and what makes this movie a great film and not just a great conversation about space travel, um, is that at the core of this film is actually Jodie Foster's character and, and her having to get over losing her dad and, and sort of how much that has affected her and how much that has left this void of, you know, losing her dad <laughs> causes her to actually have basically no faith. And when she comes back, and I don't mean in a religious way, I just mean she can't see anything that she can't touch. Um, and so having this experience where she goes and and learns this thing and has to come back and, and try to explain an experience she can't prove to people... Um, actually kind of helps to give her a, a a wider perspective of of her world um and helps her to heal this this sort of problem that she's had um i i think the movie is beautiful i cry a lot at it um and i i yeah i i don't know why anyone wouldn't just adore contact it's, it's so good isn't the other thing that people hate is that they spend all this time building that like that satellite center and then it blows up and then there was another one like the whole time yeah but the guy straight up says he's like why well, i i have a shit ton of money i went and built two of them because like i'm a private company um yeah sure um <laughs> but it's also because you have all of this yes there's some convenience there sort of because you have to get rid of tom scarrett um rest in peace tom scarrett uh is he dead yeah he died this year yeah tom scarrett died dead dead now Tom Tom Scarrett is dead. Go go Google Tom Scarrett dead. <laughs> Zach and Brad don't believe you, James. Yeah, I'm gonna look that. I don't. I like that scene in Ted when he's saying like, "Yeah, do you have a picture with Tom Scarrett?" <laughs> That's you're going like, did Don Rickles die? This oh year? no, Don sorry, Rickles did die this year? No, yeah, it's Tom Scarrett. Tom Scarrett died this year. What? I'm pretty positive Tom Scarrett died this year. Uh, nope, Tom Scarrett totally alive. <laughs> His family's so upset right now. Uh, they listen to the podcast. Well, you know what? Week. Real news exclusive: dies, Tom Scarrett dead alive. <laughs> when, he, when he dies, I hope he rests in peace. Um, I could have sworn I remembered him dying this year. It's probably because uh, you've only been on like five episodes this oh, year. Oh, fuck off! You're thinking of Bill Paxton. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah. Now I, I think this movie is great. 
Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it is somewhat convenient, but uh, but the meat of the movie is all this for me is all the scenes where they're having these arguments about you know who should go to space and how do you pick somebody and and Matthew McConaughey is on the board of pick it's for who to pick and he he roots against her and you kind of know it's because he doesn't want to lose her he doesn't he he thinks that whoever goes isn't coming back um, and yeah and I think there's also some really cool just like science and conversations about like if if uh, if aliens were to communicate with us how would they do it they you know um, that I, I just find very fascinating. So, um, was there a yeah. sequel called Lens? No. So it would be called Contact Lens. No, but there feature. was a no, no, there wasn't. Nope. Okay. Zachary used his one good joke this yep. week. <laughs> that was and it. That was not it. <laughs> yep. There's I also used, a, wait. I'm only given one per week. <laughs> well, you only have one per oh, week. There you go. There's I also, like the prequel series on television. Three, two, one. Contact. Yes, mm-hmm. that was dope. really good. Three, two, one was great. Yeah. Um, there's also an amazing shot at the beginning where Jenna Malone is running up a uh, is running down the hallway, and then like uh, Jenna Malone's in this one. She plays young Jodie Foster. Uh, okay, so this is early Jenna Malone. Yeah, it's really young Jenna Malone. She's and also in for she, love of the game. She is. That's right. Uh, she's like running down the hallway and you don't realize that he's filming it in the mirror, but he's filming, but he started around the corner. So it's this, it's a long shot that he transitions into a reflection shot and it's, it's mind blowing. And most of the time you don't even reckon, realize that it's happening. But if you really pay attention to the shot where she's running down the hallway, it's unbelievably cool, uh, how he did that. So anyway, yeah, check out, uh, contact. Uh, my number one was going to be Air Force One, but I'm going to change it so Brad has to put in another trailer. Are you going to change it to Contact? No. Oh, man. <laughs> no, it's Air Force One. <laughs> it was awesome. I, I was going to uh, throw in Hercules just to talk with everybody, but um, I won't. Who put the glad in Gladiator? Maybe Jerry's Game, the Pixar short film? <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Um, but no, Air Force One's awesome. I already talked about how much it's cool. Uh, I, I do love action movies, so... When there's a really cool one, it's usually pretty high on my list, and I, I think it's the most fun movie of the of this year. And I like Harrison Ford, yeah. but I do think Hercules doesn't get enough love. It's a pretty great Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, right. I uh, I really wanted to try and figure out how I could justify putting the miniseries version of The Shining on here, not because I love it so much, but just to rub it in the eye of people who really like the film, right? Um, uh, this year. I wanted to try to get Amistad on there because <laughs> I love Amistad. But you're bound to something else? No. Uh, Come on, guys. None of you could put Mouse Hunt on your list? Oh, no. Young, I saw that in, Young I Gore s- Verbinski? I saw that in theaters and I That knew. is a favorite, though, of uh, Cheryl Jones from Movies Made Me, but it's only because she worked on the film. Oh, oh yeah. A bunch of other people wrote in what they liked. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Corinne wrote in that uh, Anastasia, not historically accurate at all. But a well-animated, cute, wannabe Disney movie. The music box scene still makes me emoji tears. Oh, Makes me emoji tears. Did she tears. spell out emoji tears, or did she emoji tear? She emoji teared Aww. the uh, face. You never emoji tear. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got Tony Gross from uh, past guest on the show. He did a full top ten. Um, Boogie Nights is number one. Number two, Face Off. Number three, Men in Black. Number four, Princess Mononoke. Number five, Titanic. Number six, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Number seven, The Ice Storm. Number eight, Cure. Number nine, L.A. Confidential. And number ten, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Um, where's his Jack Frost on there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. He confused The Ice Storm with Jack Frost, man. It's, it's okay. That's fine. <laughs> I love Princess Mononoke, but since I saw it in 99, it ended up on my 99 list and not this year. Uh, ah, okay. So, okay. Otherwise, yeah, it'd probably be up in the top five for me. All right, cool. 
Yeah, I could mention my wife, Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's oh, a cute movie. Yeah. Well, like like we said earlier, it's got its fans. <laughs> so ninety seven, what was going on with you guys? I was in high school. <laughs> I was six years old. I was ten. Uh so I was in the fifth grade? Fifth, sixth grade, something like I'm, that. I'm I'm fairly sure this was the year I first saw Star Wars. At like, all? At all. Like I I no, 96, 96, because then we went to see the re- the special editions. So, mm. but mm. yeah, but it was like amongst the height of my Star Wars fandom. So, because I was mm. getting all the toys and um, seeing the movies, and then we eventually bought the movies instead of going to see Return of the Jedi special edition in the theater. So that's why up until two years ago, I had not seen Return of the Jedi in a theater. Now I have. It's funny. Very few of the films that are on my list, I think, do I remember seeing in theater. I remember seeing Men in Black in theaters. I remember seeing Contact in theaters. Lost World Jurassic Park I saw in the theater, definitely. Yep. I didn't see that in theaters. In fact, yeah, so those are the only two on my list that I saw in theaters. I saw Vegas Vacation in theaters, and I remember walking past the Lost World poster and going, oh, man, I want to see that. But I was 10, and my parents didn't take me to see it. Yeah, I think maybe this first year when I started seeing movies on my own because I had a job. Mm. Yeah. And, I don't know. Having some autonomy. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, my parents would take me to the theater prior to this. Yeah, this is the first year. Well, yeah, because I was 16. That yeah. That's what I wanted. But yeah. I spent th- my 97 sitting in front of media play playing Star Wars cards. <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, kind of tangential, but I remember seeing... What does tangential mean? Uh, it means it... it is of a tangent um which is <laughs> you're about to find out uh i remember seeing a lot of, of of big advertisements for armageddon that year oh, yeah. like i remember being in theaters and seeing like those giant standees and like the counting the countdown clocks it had no faces on it so um like, what's this yeah uh because it comes out in 98 right? it's 98 yeah, yeah. yeah. Because uh, I, the only reason I like, I just looked it up because I was like, "Is that what it was?" Because I'm, we went to a weird theater to go see Vegas Vacation, so I remember being in the lobby. Uh, I think, did Spawn come out this year? Yeah. Yes. yes. There was a guy. <laughs> there was a guy who was taking like his four-year-old son to go see Spawn or five-year-old son to go see Spawn, and then there was this giant Armageddon standee, and I was like, "This is a weird theater," and so we never went there again. So that's why I remember very specifically, like, that's when you started seeing all of that crazy, you know. I think it's weird that we're showing Vegas Vacation. Yeah, uh, I Vegas Vacation is. Uh, a, I don't think it's terrible, but it's a middling it's, vacation film. I, I if we're gonna choose between the two of the worst, I'm probably gonna use, choose European Vacation over Vegas. But yeah, it's just me. Yeah. I love First Vacation. A lot. Uh, no, Christmas Vacation Two: Eddie's Vacation is the worst vacation film. I don't count that <laughs> <laughs> by a landslide. Cool. So what are we seeing next week? Uh, next week we'll be seeing It. Wait, what are we seeing? We're, I know we're seeing It, but what are we seeing? Who's on what stage? What is It? Nope, not a good joke. It lands, <laughs> Zach. <laughs> so make sure you stay behind the camera. Your acting needs work. Okay. That's <laughs> right. The weeks after that, there's a couple more dead weeks, but we only got one more film explosion yep. in this year. S- I know. Stretch. I was going to start doing more broad, like, comedy film explosion. <laughs> yeah. you know, I was thinking we should so maybe not do any more film explosions after that and just do a commentary for a movie for once. Oh, we could do one of those. Do one for Jack while. Frost. <laughs> uh, 
You have a movie in mind? Because it sounds like you do. I'm just a little film explosion dad. We've done a lot this year. We've done oh, two. No, we've done the yeah, same number the we've always one. done. We've just done them all in the fall. We also had the regular one and the 300. Oh, that's and right. the three oh. that we used. The regular one, I guess, was, what, eight months the ago? Beginning of the year, yeah. Oh, well, that's, that doesn't count. That's last year's. <laughs> well, no, we recorded it literally New Year's Day. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm just saying we could do a variety of types of episodes. Like, to be well, then why don't you give us some fucking ideas, Brad? <laughs> I Besides did. commentary. Why don't you just make Besides a movie commentary? that is good so we that could, that way we can go see that instead of all the garbage. That we could always in. retroactively do a review of Wind River if you guys are into nope. that. Oh, so you guys don't like the writer of Sicario. Okay. No, no, don't. We know. <laughs> just, we don't want to do that one. We yeah. can go see... People can't wait to download that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we could go see... Fuck, there's nothing out. Fuck, there's nothing out is Mother? my favorite film of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to record the film explosions, but it's a lot harder to edit them. So I'm just like a little burnt out, especially yeah. with my new job. Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Corinne's coming on that one. <laughs> I like, I like Corinne about? a lot. I like Corinne a lot. <laughs> you really hate... Kingsman that much? I, I I think those trailers look so dumb. Like King, the first Kingsman, I was like, yeah, that's all right. You know, there's some awesome action sequences and then some weird shit. And then I watched the trailer for the new one, and I'm like, oh my god, because we never saw, we never gone to see a dumb movie for the podcast before. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. We can go see Battle of the Sexes the next week. I, guess, I do want to see that one. Yeah, yeah I, I, I guess James will oh, take off another week. So no, James yeah. will be on like <laughs> six Amer- episodes this year. Amer- <laughs> off. Uh, American Maid is, is September. There's there's some stuff. I think we'll be okay. Tom yeah. Cruise. I think we can make it. Just, just saying, about. we still got October and November. And <laughs> yeah, October's got Blade Runner. We can see that a few times. We could do seventy seven film explosion, but all of our answers are just Star Wars. <laughs> oh, that yeah. no. Um, yeah, just let me. I mean, they're making yeah. an Insidious four course good for them okay we go see geostorm sure sure yeah yeah why yeah, not if that's what it takes <laughs> <laughs> i never be- something else that week i never believed andy garcia could become president but hey why not <laughs> we still have a cloverfield movie this year a god, god particle yeah but it's not called that okay cool cool yeah. well thanks guys yeah we'll figure out something yeah we'll, we always we'll do sweet Yep, see you next week for it. Yep. Bye. 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 Real Nerds Podcast is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. The Real Nerds would like to thank the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now open in Sloan's Lake. We also would like to thank Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, especially Andrew. Our music has been brought to you by Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios. And of course, Thanks to James's mother, our most loyal listener. Have a nice day.